Colby Covington is an asshole, but god damn it, he can fucking wrestle. With the fired selections and the fired reflections, this is fighting with myself. Oh, 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 fighting with myself. Oh, 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 yeah. What is up, guys and gals? Welcome to the Fighting With Myself podcast, the podcast for the average MMA fan, hosted by an above-average man. And I am that man. My name is Juice, and welcome to the fastest-growing podcast in the nation. Not really. I made that up, but uh, I will never let the truth get in the way of good narrative. You know that about me if you listened before. And um, this has been an interesting week in MMA, particularly with the fights that happened last night in UFC New York. So I'm excited to recap those for you guys and uh, give you a little bit of background on to my life, which I don't do before, uh, you know, haven't done in the past and not something I usually do. So that'll be different. We're going to uh, recap UFC Newark. Um, not much in, that happened news-wise I want to talk about, but there were a lot of questions from the forum. You guys are fucking amazing at that. And then um, an interesting card next weekend to preview. So um, before we jump into the recap, I wanted to kind of uh, open up a little bit, I guess, and just sort of give you an insight onto my life. I wrestled with this um, for a while wasn't sure um, if I was going to talk about this or not, but um, there have been a couple people who I've been able to um, open up to online and made me feel uh, feel good about it. So I wanted to kind of um, share it with you guys on the podcast. And I say that specifically because um, it's not something I'm, I'm not uh, going to talk about on Twitter a lot, um, if at all, and I would like you guys to respect that. Um, just sort of, you know, message me privately if there's anything you want to talk about regarding this. But um, I I realize that the people that listen, you know, week to week are really important to me. And um, I would like to be honest with you. So for the past couple years, and it, it really dates back to July 2017, so just barely over two years, um, I've been battling cancer. I first was diagnosed, you know, that July 2017 and had surgery, opted not to do chemo and just sort of write it out. I, I tried um, natural healing methods and um, different different ways of going about it, which helped immensely. Um, it just helped me clean my life up in general. And um, I lost a ton of weight doing that. So that was awesome. Uh, but then December 2018, it came back. And I held off on doing treatment. Uh, I was pursuing a bunch of other things, and um, it didn't work out. And if if you listen to um, episode two of this podcast, uh, it gets really dark at the end. And that's because I just sort of found out at that point in my life that the um, alternative method I was hoping to pursue um was no longer on the table and that I had to go, go through with the second surgery and, and, um, you know, likely chemo. So, so that was that. And then I, I, just a quick shameless plug as well. You know, I'm all about shameless plugs. All promotion should be shameless in my opinion. Um, my other podcast I do with my good buddy, Andrew, um, mixed martial opinions. We talk about this pretty in depth, um, at least to that point. Um, 
in episode 25 of that podcast, Mixed Martial Opinions. Talk a little bit more about my life and diagnosis and things like that. And mental health as well is a big focus on that episode. So if that's something you are interested in, I encourage you to go check it out. But um, I'm writing this because, or I'm deciding to talk about this because um, I just did on Friday, the 2nd, August 2nd, I did my first and hopefully only round of chemo. And so that's sort of a, an admission as as much as it is a, you know, an apology in advance for, you know, if my thoughts aren't as cohesive as, as I'd like them to be, although that's a general through line of this podcast anyway. You know, I'm not, I'm never as cohesive as I'd like to be. So I uh, just wanted to put that out to the start. And um, again, don't, um, you know, if you can help it, don't talk, don't uh, talk about it online. I've, I've popped up in the mentions of a couple, you know, folks. I want to give a big, big shout out to um, Anthony Hernandez at Season Salt. Uh, the way he's been so open with his um, journey and uh, doing with chemo um, has helped me want to, I don't know, connect with you guys in that way and, and share that part of my life. A um, couple others as well. Mixed a man. Um, obviously, his his battle. I mean, not obviously, you may not know, but you know, he battled it, you know, years ago, and so it's not something that we're like going through together necessarily. But um, he's been really supportive in that respect. And and Pixie, aka Derek Lewis's hot balls. <laughs> um, you guys are fucking awesome. And so you know, because of the, you know talking to those people and um, shout out my man Genghis as well. Um, don't want to support out. You know. Um, that that that's inspired me to to just sort of mention that. I guess I'm not really given too much insight other than the fact that I went through it, and I want you guys to know I'm okay. So if you care about me, know that I'm okay. Which why would you listen otherwise? Unless you're one of those uh, Colby fans who decided to tune in just to hear me eat crow. So get ready for that. Um, and on that, I guess let's let's move on to uh, the main card, or not the main card, but the. The recap of the card, and I and I covered a lot of um, a lot of the prelims as well because there were some of the more interesting fights to me. So I'm just going to go over the fights that I sort of covered last episode. Um, so if there's anything you want to talk about, you know, definitely message me online. We can have a little bit of back and forth. Um, I always love that. Uh, but uh, starting off the night, as far as my um, night went, for the fights I was I was looking forward to, Mickey Gall versus Salim Tuari. Mickey Gall um, kind of shat the bed in his last performance against Diego Sanchez, which we'll get to in a second. Um, but it, we found out it was due to rhabdo. There's um, a couple different uh, external factors to that. So um, it was kind of a question mark dangling as as how he was going to perform. And I think he answered some of those questions. Um, he certainly didn't get the emphatic finish that he always likes to. I think he's finished all of his fights via rear naked choke. Um, I remember him saying in an interview, I think it was after his debut in the UFC against Mike Jackson, when he was like, yeah, I like to punch people in the face and choke them out. So uh, there's that. But in terms of showing some improvement on his skill set, he's been working with Joe Schilling on his um, kickboxing and Muay Thai. And I think that's shown. Um, he definitely showed... Um, you know, facing some little bit of adversity there. Uh, Salim hit him with some big shots and he was able to recover. Uh, he, I won't say he was like wobbled at any point where I was worried he was going to, um, not going to come back, but, um, but he definitely, um, won that fight pretty, uh, pretty decisively. Now his call out was a little weak 
And let me just say, um, that was kind of his gimmick when he first got to the UFC because he called out Punk on the Dana White looking for a fight show. That's how we get the contract, and that's what he's known for. And he even said, you know, he's like, I know that's going to be part of my story, but I don't want to just be the punk guy. I want to make my own way, which is great. And he should. And he's he's getting there. Um, but then he had like, you know, he called out Sage Northcutt and they gave him that fight. It would seem like they were on board with this gimmick where they were just giving the fights. And then I want to say it was after the Sage win, he called out Dan Hardy, which was oh, so terrible. I mean, Dan Hardy is not a fighter anymore. Although he said he wants to come back, but he's not, like, not really medically cleared um, because of the whole Wolf Parkinson syndrome with his heart. And um, he is not really interested in um, fighting a young up-and-comer. He said, I want to you know, fight like an old grizzled veteran. I want it to be bloody. I want it to be you know, a good, good banger. So that was kind of weird. And then I don't know if he called Diego Sanchez out when he got the win or if Diego um, called him out, but they made that fight. And, of course, he lost. So, so move on. You know, I thought that was weird in the post-fight interview. It was kind of cool the way he said it, where he was like, you said you were going to humble me, and I don't think I got the message. That was kind of cool. But, bro, move on. Diego Sanchez is, first of all, crazy and should retire. Second of all, you should move on to other things and, and let people forget that terrible performance. You don't want to revisit that. Because I think even a healthy Diego against a healthy uh, Mickey Gall um, could do that, do that shit. Um, we could very well see that same performance, you know, who knows, but I'm looking forward to, to what's next for him. I hope it's not the Diego Sanchez fight. I don't think they should make that, but I am looking forward to, I don't have any ideas, but, um, I like watching Mickey Gall fight. I think, I think, I think he's one to watch and I love the, um, the uh, post-fight interview, uh, the part where he was like, uh, hope you brought extra security. Cause we got some Jersey animals in here. Oh, I love it. I love everything about it. Speaking of that. You know who was in the audience? Fucking Genghis and uh, Punk. Shout out those guys. And G. G from State Farm. I know you guys are in the audience, but G's not from Jersey, so it's not, you know, referencing Mickey Gall's um, post-fight. Um, moving on. This is the chemo talking, guys. <laughs> That's my guilt trip, by the way. You don't have to care about me. Um, Antonina Shevchenko versus Lucie Pudilova. This was to me a very interesting fight because I was I wanted to see how Antonina would rebound after the loss to uh, my girl Roxy, and it looked like Lucier was getting the better of her initially. And I tweeted this out. I said, "Did she get the shit genes?" Because I was her her sister's a fucking killer. And I know she was good as well. You know, I saw her on the uh, DMI Contender series and seen some of her Muay Thai fights. She's good, but it looks like. She's having trouble putting together her MMA game and blending the two. And I thought um, Lucier was kind of, you know, like Antonina was getting worked by Lucier a little bit initially. And then as soon as I tweeted that, as soon as I asked if she was getting the shit jeans, she fucking, they're in a scramble and she reverses and gets an arm bar and it's looking very tight. Like credit to Lucier for not tapping because that shit was tight. And then she transitions to the re choke. Now this was part of the bad stoppages of the night as far as chokes i guess the refs lately and and to be honest it's mostly herb dean not giving a fuck about uh people going unconscious to, to tapping like what the fuck like that girl was out and then we'll get to um well i i guess i didn't cover it last time so i should talk about it now the herb dean against fucking uh gerald mearshart and trevin giles dude 
I understand he had the bad angle where he didn't see the tap, and that's fine. But I, but I thought a couple things about this. First of all, you did the limp arm test, and um, that that you did that way too many times. Second of all, I've seen refs run around and go from side to side to make sure they're not missing anything, and I think Herb should have done that. Like, yes, he was on the side where um, he needed to be to see um, all the visual signs from Trevin as far as whether he's out or not, you know, see his eyes and all that good stuff and his, his stuff. But if if you got to get to a, a vantage point, like maybe stand up a little bit so you can possibly see the tap, you could have saved him from going unconscious. Um, so that was my other thing. But then also in situations like that where clearly that there's a pretty demonstrative tap on the other side of where the ref is, should the refs have an earpiece that's only linked to like the the commissions, maybe someone like Mark Radner, um, well, no, because he's um, employed by the UFC and the refs are employed by the commission. So definitely someone from the commission to kind of be an arbitrator for that or maybe a fellow ref. There's actually something in um, the rules called polling where, where they, you know, during a, not, not a moment like that, but, you know, during like, let's say a break in the action where they've stopped it because of an illegal strike or whatever, and they're giving the the um, affected fighter to their five-minute recovery time, they can pull another ref to get their input. Um, you heard um, <laughs> Mini Brock, a.k.a. Gary Copeland, <laughs> a.k.a. as if a.k.a. is his name, um, fucking Gary Copeland, he was polling the commission um, regarding what, what to do with the stoppage. So I thought that was, that was a good um, showing of that. But you need someone that has the proper vantage point in Herb's ear. You need that. We could we could avoid things like that. We could avoid those bad calls. Say, hey, that was a tap. Like, you know, that's all they need to say. They need to be watching from the other angle that he can't see. Like, hey, he's tapping. So stop the fight. And that's it. I mean, I think they should at least experiment with that. You know, a lot of these things that could be potential fixes for situations, they're not willing to try. And that's the problem, I think. They're not willing to try new things. But who am I? Just some fuck with a podcast, huh? And moving on, Lauren Murphy versus Mara Romero Borella. This was a great fight. And um, shout out the MMA Scope podcast. I did not know this until I was listening to their um, latest episode. Um, according to Cole, Mara has some pending charges in Italy. Because of like drug trafficking or something, which I thought was very interesting. The UFC is just sort of overlooking that. It's like, yeah, fuck it. You'll fight on uh, U.S. soil. That's fine. But she's like banned from the Italian Federation of Martial Arts or something. So she can't fight in her home country. Not that they're looking to make any fucking trips to Italy lately. Anyway, you know. But uh, credit to Lauren... It looked like Mara was getting the better of her initially, even in the wrestling, which I thought maybe Lauren could have an uh, advantage in. And then at one point, Lauren rocked her with an uppercut, and Mara shot him for a panic double. Lauren stuffs it with what looked like just brute strength, just got the underhooks and just shook her off and landed a beautiful knee on the break. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. That was awesome. It was so good to see, uh, and then she was like shouting at her son in the in the uh, post fight interview. Lauren is someone who I've made like a complete one eighty on. When she was in the Tough House, when I was watching that season, I was like, "Get this girl off camera, please." Uh, but then as soon as um, as soon as she started fighting the UFC and and 
I mean, she had her run before Bantamweight, but as soon as they brought her back after that, you know, at Flyweight, I'm all in. I'm all in. I like Lauren Murphy. Um, obviously, she's a bit later in her career, so um, this is sort of it for her. But uh, I look forward to seeing how her career plays out. And then a weird fight that I covered last time. Darko Stasdick. And yes, I did say Stasdick because he was kicking his opponent, Kennedy Zuchuku, in the dick repeatedly. It was like he didn't give a fuck. And that meme of him when he landed that third one and Kennedy just like doubled over and he's doing the fucking... Darren Elkins against Mirsad Bektik, like, just throw your head back and rah, like, keep keep spamming that meme because it's hilarious. Um, but, dude, Kennedy, I thought, was going was gonna to use some of that same, like, crisp, explosive striking he used against Paul Craig. But a few of those dick kicks, man, and he was looking gun-shy, and rightly so, I mean... Kick me in the dick, and I'm not going to fucking turn in an impressive performance. I might try and fucking, I don't know, throw a flying knee or some bullshit or whatever, but uh, credit to Kennedy getting the decision win on this. It was, And I, to be honest, I think it was mostly because of the point deductions because I had Darko winning most of that fight um, aside from the from the point deductions. And, I, and I'm so happy that Gary Copeland did those. I mean, we fucking need those. And and initially the the warning, and I think he, he gave the warning because it looked accidental, and that's fine. But I've said this before. I think the warning is in the locker room, man. They already get that warning. They've had, you know, several pro fights leading up to that point. That's your fucking warning. You know what's illegal and what's not. So the warnings are like, you know, that just enables that whole fucking ideology of, oh, if you ain't cheating, you ain't trying, throwing those illegal strikes. But... Credit, credit to Minnie Brock. He was deducting points like a fucking school teacher. He didn't give a shit. So more of him, please. Because also I just like saying Minnie Brock. He also kind of looks like a frog. Like a frog on steroids. Like lots of steroids. All of them. Until there's none left. Why do you guys listen to this podcast? Scott Holtzman. How's that for a segue? <coughs> Sympathy cough there. Scott Hot Sauce Holtman versus Dong Hyun Ma was everything I wanted it to be. And I didn't give Ma enough credit. Because I, I kind of thought, I was like, wow, Scott's going to run right through this guy. But I knew I knew uh, Dong Hyun Ma was tough enough to make it a good fight. But Scott Holtzman put it on him. And Dong was giving it back for... <laughs> he was giving... <laughs> Oh, it's so childish. Ma was giving it back for uh, a good part of the fight. He sat him on his ass at one point, and then Scott quickly recovered, and I think he got a takedown at th- at that point. But uh, dude, he made he made his eye fucking swell up, and um, I guess credit to the doctors on this one for um, for letting it not see a third round because um, he was pretty compromised. But while it lasted, that was some fucking amazing. Um, that was an amazing fight. I don't always keep track of the bonuses because they're 
pretty pretty arbitrary and it's kind of um uh like a like a boys club it's kind of favoritism but that will very well could have been fight of the night i mean that was that was incredible speaking of fight of the night one thing i thought was going to be fight of the night could have been maybe a performance of the night for uh for one jim miller was uh miller versus guida i thought this was going to be an old school war i thought it was going to be similar to guida versus diego sanchez and it was not Clay Guida stumbled Jim a little bit, and then Jim returned with his own combination. Dropped Clay, who then shot him for a double, and Miller s- snatched up that guillotine so quick. And this was another time Herb was slipping, man. He did the arm test three times. Guida was already out, dude. Hey, Herb, are you sleeping? And I saw a couple people on online saying... You know, we've been giving, I think it was, I want to say credit to uh, Serena De Jesus, Serena the Southpaw Outlaw, saying, you know, we were giving shit, uh, Herb Dean shit for the, for the early stoppage against uh, Durandamy, Durandamy and Ladd, and now we're giving him shit for late stoppages. He's probably, uh, his confidence is probably out. And, and dude, that goes back to what I was saying before. Refs, when they have those bad calls, they kind of need to, I think they need to prove themselves. Even if there's someone like Herb who has been at the, top echelon of referees for a long time now maybe he needs to build himself back up maybe he needs a little more little more confidence i don't know because he was like let me be extra sure they're out i don't want anyone to crucify me and he was doing that arm test so many times it's like dude he's out and they're they're continuing to squeeze like what do you what do you want to happen here fucking convulsions jesus And I guess that leads me to the main event, which I've sort of been dreading. Um, but that's fine. But I, I have so many thoughts on this, and I want to be very clear, and I want to come off uh, as a, somewhat of an intelligent person, but I also don't want to shy away from how I feel. And leading up to this, I saw a lot of people... Now, I was like saying, oh, Colby's going down, uh, whatever, because that's more of me pumping up Robbie than doubting Colby's skills, I guess. Uh, I'm a big Robbie Lawler fan. I like what he brings. I love watching him fight, and I was looking forward to him getting the W. And, yeah, I'm very guilty of, you know, not a fan of his shtick. I get it, and it, it definitely puts asses in seats. If it was – I mean, I'm going to pretty much watch every card regardless, but um, if it was, you know, that same fighter – but um, without the gimmick, like if he was like respectful, I was like, yeah, I'm looking forward to finding Robbie. I wouldn't be as invested for sure. I know that. But there was a, I saw a lot of people that was like, oh, people are f- just fooled by his shtick. He's actually really good. Like, dude, no one's fooled. I mean, yeah, maybe. But I, I certainly was not. It's not like I, like I, I get no pleasure. There's not some fucking reward for picking a fight correctly. I'm gonna put my. Um, vote or whatever behind whoever i want to win i don't give a shit so the whole idea of you know love him or hate him you got to respect his skills like that that's fine i do and i'm not i'm not trying to downplay his skills but i also don't want to see someone with that kind of gimmick in the win column i just don't and and that's fine as far as I'm concerned. But I will say this. I am learning to be able to separate the 
in cage performances from the out out of cage performances. If that makes sense, it's not really performance. I mean, it is, but um, you know what I mean. I'm willing. I'm learning to separate the person from the fighter. And Colby coming the person is a cuck, but Colby coming in the fighter is a beast. I mean, to do that to Robbie Lawler is goddamn impressive. And here's the thing. I'm not sure he's going to get the credit he's due even because A, the gimmick, and B, it's a bit of an older Robbie Lawler. But to be honest with you, I think he would have done that to prime Robbie Lawler, maybe. I mean, Robbie's takedown defense did not look as unpointed as he, as he usually is. But even still, um, Colby was getting him with the chain wrestling. He was trans- He was so active and just relentless. And that pressure was, I don't know. And, and I thought Colby was going to be smaller. They looked the same size, if not maybe Colby a little bigger. So Colby's definitely not a small welterweight. And that makes the, the matchup of him versus Usman very interesting, in my opinion. And I was one of those people that... Um, and I have no problem saying this. As soon as um, Jorge Masvidal landed that five-second knee on Ben Askren, I was like, "Oh, he's getting a towel shot. They're not going to give it to Colby. They don't. They don't trust him. They don't like him. He's. They're going to give it to Jorge. You know, not necessarily on merit, but just on you know riding the wave of momentum. But something that helps Colby. And and here's the thing also I want to say is that I thought, I, I had said before, Colby had to do something spectacular against Robbie Lawler to really get the shot. And I didn't think a decision would be that. But as far as I'm concerned, that decision was spectacular um, in terms of the dominance. I mean, just sheer dominance. And and how often does Robbie Lawler really get finished other than, you know, that bulldog choke against Ben Askren? So it's it's no, it's no, it's no easy task to do something like that to him, and he got it done in a very impressive way and an emphatic way. So it helps Colby that it's more recent because with that, some people have already forgotten about Jorge. And now maybe you can do Jorge versus Leon Edwards, which is not something I was clamoring for before, uh, but I certainly am now because Leon Edwards is not going to be getting a title shot regardless of his win streak. He's just sort of now getting up to the the names we care about to get that title shot. And if you beat Jorge, you deserve a title shot. And as far as, you know, uh, from Jorge's side as well, if you beat Leon, you get a title shot. You steal that momentum from him. And I am very excited for Usman versus Colby. If Usman can get to the damn cage, he's had surgeries, he's had injuries, and we're not really sure when he's ready to go. That whole banter uh, of him and Colby at the desk in the um, the post show on ESPN that was that was fine. Probably some of the worst trash talk I've ever heard, but it, it was fine to to get me excited about it. But when is it going to happen? Like that's that's all I was thinking at the end of it. I was like, okay, cool. Uh, when? Like Colby was in the cage, like I'm ready to go right now. Fuck Madison Square Garden. Let's do it right now. I thought that was pretty cool. Um, but yeah, Kamara has been very not vocal about when he's going to be ready. So as far as I'm concerned, 
you either got to strip him or make an interim title and Colby needs to be in that in that title fight. I'm not really calling for Usman to be stripped. That was a little that was a little much, but god damn it. He won the belt in March and he's just been chilling. So, come on. I would like to see Usman fight again. And there's a lot of questions about that in the forum, so I'll kind of table that for now. And I, I guess that sort of wraps up my thoughts on um, the newer card. And, um, you know, thank you for tuning in if you're just listening for the first time. And um, if you are one of those people, I apologize that the opening was probably a little bit um, much for you. Uh, you probably didn't expect to open up a podcast for the first time and hear that the host has cancer. So um, sorry about it. But if you are um, still listening, as far as uh, regular listeners, and you do care about that, um, I really appreciate you allowing me to do that. So let's take a quick break, and then we'll get into um, a current event. Notice it's singular. I only got one thing I want to talk about, and that's important. All right, so there was a bit of a quiet week in the world of mixed martial arts. But there was one story that kept dominating the headlines as far as my bubble is concerned. And one thing in particular that I was really hoping to talk about with you guys and really looking forward to. And um, it kept developing. I, really, I I just sort of put in my notes to talk about sort of a blanket statement. And then as the story unfolded, now there's a whole list of things to talk about regarding this subject. And that is the future of Chris Cyborg. Now, I talked about it a little bit, obviously, after in the last episode after her performance against Felicia Spencer, but there were some question marks. There were some question marks as far as her contract, because it was up, but there was a three-month um, exclusive negotiation period, and there was a question, in my opinion, as far as whether or not she was willing to um, try and repair the relationship with Dana White in the UFC. And there was a question mark of whether if they were willing to do that. And basically those questions have been answered. So um, she went on Ariel's show and said if she would she, she were to resign with the UFC, she would basically need a public apology from Dana White uh, for all the things that he said about her in the past. And I said, I don't want this. Because when someone is forced to apologize, especially on a public level, and someone like Dana White, it is so insincere. And one thing that um, Dana White is guilty of is having some shit opinions. But one thing he's not guilty of is being insincere. I think everything he says, I mean, he tends to mislead us sometimes. You know, like, women will never find the UFC, and then they find the UFC, or I'll never do the 145-pound division, and then he does it. I mean, at that moment, I believe it's sincere, and, and he's absolutely saying what he feels, and he does not give a fuck what you think, and he'll double down on it. Um, so I was like, no, don't do this. And I did see someone say that they would still like the apology so that Dana's forced to do it, and then have her go to Bellator anyway. I said, yeah, that would be kind of a nice little fuck you, but we didn't get that. What we got was them basically coming out and saying they don't want to be in the cyborg business. They are done. And they kind of never were in the cyborg business in terms of like promoting her like the star she is and the talent that she, I don't know, deserves to be promoted as. 
because she was wrecking those girls um, since day one, really. And the 145-pound division would not exist without her. So um, she, I think, deserved to be promoted in a much better light than they were. So were they ever really in the suburb business? I, I don't think so. But he basically said, we're not going to match any offers. You know, you're free to go. We're, we're cutting you. And it's kind of like, like, oh, you can't fire me. I quit because her contract's up. So it's not really, she wasn't really cut, but they're basically releasing her from that, um, you know, exclusive negotiation period, uh, to my knowledge. I, I'm not 100% knowledgeable on how those contracts work or if them making the statement, you know, completely nullifies that. But it's something that, um, and it was, was a good uh, sort of silver lining in, in that cloud, I guess, because now she's basically free to go and she can be fielding all these offers. And there's been a lot of little buzz about it. There's, there's talk of her doing a fight with Clarissa Shields. Um, that wouldn't interest me too much, but um, if it's a big payday for Chris, that interests me. Um, but I think there's, there's a couple like front runners for her. I think she might be interested in doing the PFL tournament um, because it would be at 155 pounds, and Chris has never done that before. I think at this point in her career, she might be looking to do something new. Um, Kayla Harrison's also a bit of a new challenge. She's kind of um, the the new Ronda Rousey, and, and Cyborg and Ronda had that feud for years, and she always wanted that fight. So the fact that Kayla Harrison and Ronda were on the same Olympic team and that they were kind of linked before... Um, I think is very um, attractive to Cyborg. It just depends on if they can afford her. Like, yes, it's a million-dollar tournament, but they're not making, like, six figures on the way. You know, they still got to be paid for those fights, and I don't know if they have the backing to afford Cyborg otherwise. Um, and they do get, um, I believe, two in-cage sponsors because um, PFL kind of has like a, a uniform similar to the UFC. It's not the Reebok deal, so they're kind of open, but they wanted to keep a uniform, but they limited the two sponsors. Um, kind of weird, unless they've opened that and I'm not aware. Someone let me know. But um, that's something that could potentially um, attract Cyborg. But Bellator has pretty much an open market for that, and she has been vocal about Bellator is, you know, better at building that division. And she's got a history with Scott Coker um, in the Strikeforce days. So I predict, and I would hope, that she does end up in Bellator because one thing that's important to Cyborg uh, is, you know, building a division and, you know, for her to be fighting, like, rifle contenders. And I don't know if she would get an immediate title shot if she, if she went to Bellator. I mean, i got no problems with it. You know, you could you could put her against Julia Bud right away, but um, as far as you know what they've done in the past, like Musasi was, in my opinion, ready for a title shot in the UFC when he got released, or he you know his contract ended and he went to Bellator, and they didn't give him the title shot right away. They made him fight Alexander Shlomenko. So, and and then Rory, same situation. I mean, not same. He was kind of on a little bit of a losing streak when he left the UFC, but he was certainly in the title discussion right before that, and they they had him fight uh, Paul Daly before he got the title shot. So I could see them doing a fight with uh, maybe Cindy Dendois or you know the winner of um, whoever she's facing next to then get to Julia Bud. That could be interesting. Either way, it's something I'm looking forward to. Um, I still like Cyborg a lot. Still a big fan. Um, I kind of wanted to see the Amanda rematch, but I am more than okay 
not getting it because I know she's not defined by those 52 seconds. Um, her legacy is much bigger than that. And it's definitely something that uh, has a little bit of gas left in the tank. And I, I want them to just kind of move on from that situation. So looking forward to Chris and her future. And that sums it up, ladies and gentlemen, for this segment, because that is all I wanted to talk about as far as news that came across. But you guys brought the heat in this forum. So let's get right into it. Here we are, born to be kings. We are the princes of the universe. That should be the same theme song for the forum. Fucking Queen, one of the best bands of all time. Shit, guys, welcome to the forum. This is the most important part of this podcast. Interact with other fight fans, hear different opinions from your favorite follows on MMA Twitter, and just overall get some different takes, um, even if they're not um, not mine, which I think is very important to hear different voices. So let's get right into it. I'm going to start with the voice questions, as always. And first up on the docket is uh, one that I'm very much looking forward to. Is Mr. Genghis. What do I look like fucking myself? It's your boy Genghis, repping Asbury. I'm over here watching my hitters fight over a tennis ball, a couple fiends fighting over a crack rock. Got me thinking on my question for the week. If you have an open weight fight, what two dudes you gonna put in there? Now I wanna get to my fuck yous for the week. I wanna send a big fuck you over to Scotland. Fuck you, Chris. Start a GoFundMe page. We get your cheap ass and motherfucking wireless headphones. Want to send a big old fuck you down to North Carolina? Fuck you, little Uzi. I hope your possum bites you and you get the AIDS. Want to send a big, big, big fuck you down to uh, Tennessee, living in Florida? Just because everybody wants to say fuck you to that goddamn guy. And then, last but not least, I want to send a fuck you to Aaron Jackson. You should be coming to this newer card you an asshole and you ain't so fuck you all right brother holla back coming in hot wow what a great way to start this thing off first of all fuck you too i guess because that last fuck you was directed to me and uh you're right fuck me then because i i really wanted to go and uh well now you know i couldn't really because the chemo was too too sick to to go but uh, more than that, I think I said last episode, um, I got I got into a car crash the day that tickets went on pre-sale, and I kind of shit the bed on that because that was just terrible timing. Uh, but but it was still a fun car to watch at home. As far as your question, we'll get to the fuck yous in a second. As far as the question about the two dudes in an open way fight, that's so interesting to me because one that I've always wanted to see for my own sick pleasure, and I don't know why, is John Jones versus Brock Lesnar. And I wanted to see it at heavyweight, but now when you say open weight, I'm just remembering that um, Brock Lesnar cuts to get to 265. So if we could get fucking juice to the gills, Brock Lesnar, and secretly juice John Jones at an open weight, I'm in. But then I also thought about someone like, like maybe doing like Demetrius Johnson versus Max Holloway. That's interesting because Demetrius Johnson is like probably the best pound for pound fighter in the world, but um, Max Holloway is a beast and like twice his size. You know, just like two weight classes apart. 
So that's uh, those would be probably my two two options. Great question. And I'm gonna think more on this. Um, as far as those fuck yous, yeah, keep it going. Let's start some shit. I don't give a fuck. I kind of do, but but for now, let's keep it going. That's awesome. And oh man, we got another good one. Come on now, Juice Baby. It's Cooter Bob Joe, baby. Coming from you from PTT Studios. You know what it is, baby. Okay, now, I got a few questions for you, Juice. I've seen some people on Twitter biting my style, baby. Now, they don't live this rock and roll, high life, high rolling life. You know we talking about, baby. Is Robbie Lawler going to kill Kobe Covington? And if so, uh, what do you think Patrick Shaheen will be doing at that current time? Thanks, Juice Baby. Come on now. Well, thank you, Cooter Bob. I'm alluding to, uh, I think, Chris from Scotland impersonating him last week. Um, guys, leave the impersonation to the professionals, huh? Dude, I've been waiting for this. Mr. Shaheen, I endured the Roxy hate on your podcast, which is great, MMA Scope with Cole Henry, who may or may not listen to the show. I endured the Roxy hate, and I knew you sent this question in before the newer card, knowing full well that last episode was already recorded, and then this wouldn't go up until after the newer card. So you're being very confident and thinking that your favorite fighter, Robbie Lala, would win, as as I have been in the past. So suck it. Just kidding. I love you, buddy. I think you got one more. Yeah, Juice, baby. I know you're getting two calls from PTD Radio this week. This is PTD himself now, baby. Okay, let me tell you how it goes down here, baby. We ride, we slide, we hydroglide, baby. You know what I'm talking about. I got two boats, I got two cars, I got two trucks, I got two houses, I got two fish, I got two mouths. PTD ain't nobody but me, baby. Come on now. All right, now, Juice, quick question for you now. Okay. Is Robbie Lawler going to save this card from mediocrity? Because uh, Robbie Lawler is the best thing to ever happen to the sport, baby. Come on now. Oh, soak that in. Soak that in. I love it. I got a question for you. If I ever visit Louisiana, will you take me out for a night in the town? And will you teach me that dialect so we can go... Fucking, I don't know. Start some shit. That's awesome. As far as, dude, all like hazing aside, because yeah, Robbie lost, and um, I kind of don't feel bad for you. But <laughs> um, that card didn't need saving as much as we thought it did. And yeah, it was kind of bland on paper, but it, it turned out some stellar performances, I think. Um, I, I mentioned a lot of them already. Lauren Murphy with a nice finish. Gerald Mearshart putting the fucking strangle on Trevin Giles. God damn. That guillotine from Jim Miller. There was a lot of a lot of good finishes on this card. And a lot of dick kicks. Which is never good, but 
at least it causes for some controversy. And actually, the uh, main event was, um, I thought, going to be, you know, if it, if it didn't end in a finish for Robbie, that it would be sort of boring. And it was not at all. And I'm grateful for that. And here's a, here's a question from, from Chris Lee from Tennessee. What's up? It's Kingus. Uh, got a question. Uh, first off, fucking New Jersey's the shit. Anyone who don't like New Jersey, you're an inbred retard. You know, That's true. No offense to any retards, but probably can't use this message now because I said that, but, you know, sorry. Uh, back to, so sorry, back to my question. Uh, oh, one more thing. Uh, I just want to give a shout out to, uh, all my hitters and, uh, all the strippers. And, uh, and that one dog buck, you know, it'll be out soon. Free my dog buck. He ain't mean no harm. But, oh, sorry, back to my question. Oh, oh, one more thing before that. Tell that one dude, fucking, uh, that dude, uh, fuck, what's that guy's name? Oh, yeah, Max Holloway. Tell him Max Holloway. Go. Oh, no, he's kind of cool. Oh, back to my question. Hold on. Shit, I'm out of time. I think I kept that one in there. Because uh, the real Genghis left a message saying "fuck you" to him, and he just and without knowing, he decided to impersonate him instead and, and say some nice things about New Jersey. So thank you, thank you for that, keeping the positivity going. And it actually brings me to something that I wanted to talk about in the opening, but I kind of forgot, is that um, in um, dealing with uh, cancer, I've realized and I've learned that positivity is very important and you guys see me on online trying to spread positivity but it's it's knowing it's knowing full well that it's much needed in my life at the time because if you look at the other tweets there's some there's some nasty shit as as well i'm I'm definitely spewing hatred at at, uh, luke rockhold or colby um there's gonna always be gratuitous amounts of that but um I want to be more positive. When I was talking about separating the fighter from the from the person uh, originally, I wanted to to highlight that and that my intention with that is to just to be more positive because, dude, and and I would and what I've realized too is that we are as MMA fans, we are insufferable when our favorite fighter wins, and we're also insufferable when they lose um, because those dude, those Colby fans, you know, regardless of of how I was feeling about it, and I, I kind of don't care, but. Um, they were insufferable doing those fucking nerd bash um, hashtags. Let me just tell you this. It's fine that he won, and I'm happy for you. He's your favorite fighter, or, or one of them, if he is. But that nerd bash shit does not fly. And just because he uses it does not mean that you're supposed to be, you know, continuing that fucking parade. Um, I'm someone who uh, is still a nerd, grew up a nerd, and, and if you think that uh, that shit is cool, um, regardless if it's part of his gimmick, Put on a vest with pockets and take a fucking hike. That's what I have to say about that. Um, let's be more positive, guys. That was my fault, but um, here we go. In carrying with that, let's get to a more positive question. Yo, 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 what's cracking, Juice? Cerrone Noseblow finally coming back at you after a couple of weeks. I know I've been slipping, man. I hope you can show me some mercy. But I got a question. We're going to skip ahead a week to 156 because you and I both know 
I'm not putting together a coherent sentence tomorrow, and especially after Robbie Lawler beats the shit out of Colby Cuckington, my man. So with 156 sorry, on the prelims, we got Alexi Kunschenko and Gilbert Burns, man. Alexi's on a hell of a tear right now, 20-0. Gilbert's got some good wins under his belt in the past year. Bon Mercier, I believe. Dan Moret as well. I think it's going to be a good fight. Give me your opinions on it. Who do you think takes it? How do you think they take it? And again, fuck Cuckington, bro. You're goddamn right. Oh, man, I love that guy. Uh, Cerrone Noseblow on Twitter. If you guys don't follow him, you definitely should. He was alluding to uh, every... uh, There was a streak where he would always send in a voice question. And then for the past like four or five episodes... Maybe it hasn't been that long, but it seems like it. He'll send me a message the next day like, oh, bro, I was too hungover to leave a question or uh, too fucking uh, stoned. That took me seven tries. I don't know how I'm going to do it next week. And so <laughs> he sent one early this time, and I thank you. Uh, great question. Uh, that This um, fight sort of um, flew under the radar for me, and I, I wasn't um, – I wasn't going to cover it in my breakdown, but since you asked, I, I've been doing some digging and, and I'm kind of intrigued by it. So, um, and, and by the way, he titled this question. Um, I probably slaughtered Alexi's name and yeah, you did. Uh, probably it's Alexi Kunchenko. I would think, I think he said Kunchenko. Um, Kunchenko. It's a, it's a Russian name. Um, his nickname is the Wolverine. And, and if you have a, na- a nickname like that, you fucking better live up to it. And I think so far he has. Like he said, 20-0. and 0. This guy is just on a tear. Um, and be looking at his record, a lot of KOs. Um, only one submission win. And that's um, Gilbert Burns' specialty is his uh, submission game. So initially I thought, well, if, if Gilbert can get to the floor, he's, he's got a good uh, advantage there, as he does with most people. But then I also thought, well, he's also been able to avoid submissions for, for 20 fights in a row. So maybe he just trains a lot of submission defense. Because sometimes all it takes is just a good, uh, a good scramble and you're, you're, out of the, um, you're out of that threat. I mean, Gilbert Burns versus Dan Hooker comes to mind. Um, they got into a scramble on the ground. And rather than shying away from the from his gra- uh, ground game, Dan Hooker wrapped up like an anaconda or something, which caused a scramble. And then he get back to his feet and he knocked him out with a I think it was a knee. Dan Hooker's a fucking animal, but um, this fight intrigued me for a couple of reasons. Um, that and then also it's Gilbert Burns' first time at 170, at least in the UFC, to my knowledge. And this has been sort of a long time coming. He missed weight against um, Olivier Aubame Mercier the first time. Well. Didn't really miss weight. He came in on fight week. And on check-in day on, on Tuesday, they do a weight check. And he weighed like 186 for a 155-pound fight. And the commission and the UFC were like, no, that is unsafe. We are fucking pulling this fight. And he and he came in with this whole story of like, oh, I'm water loading. You caught me on the day that I had, you know, drinking that gallon, like a couple of gallons of water. You know, I was going to sweat it out. I would have made way fine. But it made me think, like, dude, if you're that fucking heavy, get a new weight class. 
and he's probably one of those. I mean, he's he's a little bit shorter. He's got a, like kind of a stocky build, so maybe he's a, a proponent for 165. We're gonna keep banging that drum on this podcast. But um, if you know, for the meantime, give 170 a try. Kevin Lee did it, and man, if Gilbert Burns wins this fight, maybe we see Gilbert Burns versus Kevin Lee at 170. That would be fun. But I think um, Alexi's going to be the bigger man in there, and he's going to probably give Gilbert some problems. One thing was interesting, too, is that Gilbert Burns is replacing um, a gentleman by the name of Loreano Staropoli. I'm hoping I'm pronouncing that right. Um, he fought uh, Thiago Alves recently, and he's got a very Italian name, but he's from um, Argentina. And uh, so they kind of wanted to keep him on the card to bring some of the local fighters or um, local audience to that uh, Uruguay card. But he... He dropped out, and it kind of reminded me of um, UFC 199. BJ Penn was supposed to fight Dennis Seaver, and then Dennis Seaver pulled out probably because of an injury, but then they replaced him with Cole Miller, and then BJ Penn was pulled, I think, for like an IV violation with USADA. Like he got sick and had to get an IV, which is not okay under USADA, and so they pulled him, and then they replaced him with uh alex caceres um and so like neither of those fighters were meant to be on the car but they were both short notice replacements and that's just kind of weird um but then caceres did work in that fight so maybe we see gilbert do the same i don't know it's very intriguing it's got a lot of questions so i like it that's one thing i i hate about um mma if if it's predictable get out of here i don't want to know who's going to win so those are my thoughts on that Here's a wee question from Scotland. Hi, what's happening, guys? This is the only way is MMA. Quick question regarding Eddie Alvarez. I think he's done. Uh, like, what's, what's your opinion on him? Just, I think the last few fights, after the Gaethje and the Dustin Poirier fight, which were classics, I think after that, he's shied away from a couple of big shots. Like, he took a big shot, and then he's, he's kind of cowered uh, and, and shied away from the next few shots. Now, I've done zero research on this, so I could get shot down in flames for this. But he done the same as well in this in this latest fight. It won. Uh, he went down after that leg kick, which was fucking vicious. But um, I don't know. He just he just seems to cover as soon as a big shot seems to come. And these are a lot bigger guys now as well. Uh, that guy's back was fucking thick. Um, anyway, what's your opinion on it? Catch you later, man. There'll be another question coming soon. Cheers, mate. Oh, gotta love that guy. And as far as your question, man, I don't see it. I think that's been the story of Eddie's career. He gets knocked down and he comes back. You know, uh, look at the look at the Michael Chandler fights. Look at his um his fight with Cowboy. He lost that fight, I believe, but um, he kind of came back from some adversity. The Gilbert Melendez fight, his eye swell swelled up, and he was able to to fight through that. I think. I think that's just vintage Eddie, man. I mean, certainly he is in the latter part of his career, but he is a belt chaser for sure. That's one of the reasons he signed with one. He's already got the dream belt. He's already got the, I think, the Bodog belt. He's got the UFC belt and the Bellator belt. He's probably the only fighter to have that. Um, and now he wants the one belt. So I think he's he's chasing that. And like you said... These are a lot bigger guys, so that can kind of take a toll on it. And so that's kind of what I'm thinking is is the cause for, for a lot of these dogfights. But more importantly also, I think he's going to eventually figure that out. Uh, he talked about this um, 
because he noticed that the guys he was fighting were bigger. He said, well, if they're able to weigh in at 170 hydrated, why can't I weigh at 155 hydrated? I got to figure this shit out. So the way they do their weight um, testing and the way they do the weight cuts, they have to weigh in twice, I believe, and they have to be hydrated. There's like they pass a pee test or something. So um, I think Eddie's going to eventually figure that out, and we're going to see him fighting guys his own size next time around. So we'll see. We'll see. I mean, for for the moment, he's part of that tournament um, at lightweight, which is, you know, 170 for them because they give it to the next weight class. So um, I don't think he's done it all, man. I don't think he's done it all. I mean, certainly, like, he's got a few more left, but I don't think, you know, we're we're like one or two away from, from him retiring. I think he's got a few years left. myself podcast it's smoky j here from australia um everybody knows your favorite fighter like hands down is roxanne Waterferry. but fucking remind us dude remind everybody who your favorite male fighter is please bye bye i love it love smoky j if you don't follow that guy you definitely should it's smoky j mma and um, shout out hashtag bad drawings Love the question. So my favorite fighter that's not Roxanne is Michael Bisping. Uh, I credit him for kind of turning me into a hardcore fan. I remember when it was announced um, him versus Anderson Silva. I had already kind of, you know, I I said before that I'm a little bit late to the game. So I wasn't around during Anderson Silva's heyday. But I already kind of knew he was this legend and I've been watching his old fights and um, so when it was Michael Bisping versus Anderson Silva, I was like, fuck yeah, I'm all in. And that was the first fight I watched all of the like embedded. Um, they want to do a big push for Fight Pass. And so they did an embedded series for that, which normally is reserved for the pay-per-views. Um, and they so they did uh, for that. And I, I think maybe even a countdown show. Like they did a lot of marketing for that. And Bisping did a lot of great interviews. He also did like a 50-minute a um, walk and talk with um, Ariel Hawani through the streets of London and he was showing him all the different places around town and just talking about his career. It was just very endearing and I was just like, here's a guy, blue collar, he's fought for everything he's got. He never was handed anything. You know, he's had to come up the hard way. He's fought guys that test positive in the past and um, he lost those fights or kind of crucial number one contender matchups and I was just all in, man. And then watching him versus um, Anderson Silva was like, what is my favorite UFC fight to date? And I remember watching it um, early in the morning. And I was living in the West Coast at that time. And I um, I didn't have work until noon. So I got up early to watch the, the prelims. And I was able to... I had to go to work before the main card started. But I timed my lunch so that I could go home. And I lived like two miles away from, from my work. And I timed my lunch so that I could go watch the fucking main event live. And I got through the first two rounds... And those were, I think, both both of uh, uh, Bisping, I think, won both those rounds. And um, I remember also in the lead-up, he was doing interviews saying he, he predicted a second-round um, TKO stoppage via ground and pound. And what happens at the end of the second round? He drops him with a big left hand, 
dodges the up kick and lands in his guard. And for the last 30 seconds, it's just like blasting Anderson with these shots. And luckily, he was saved by the bell. I mean, Anderson's very hard to finish from that position. He's got good jujitsu. But dude, I was like, oh my God. And I couldn't believe that I had to go back to work. And then I'm fucking scrolling through Instagram. And what do I see? The highlight of the Anderson Silva flying knee in third round. And I just, I, and that's it. I think that, that the fucking fight is over. And I start to feel really like down because I'm like, here's a guy. You know, I was already like behind Bisping's story and I had seen him like almost get a finish. And I was like, fuck, man, what a terrible way to go out. And then I'm, I hop on Twitter later on and I see that it's not going. I was like, fuck, I got to stop reading right now. I got to go back and watch the fight. And I went home and I watched the whole fight. And for him to do what he did, survive the fifth round, he came back after the fucking knee, won the fourth round, you know, and then survived the fifth round with a broken nose. I mean, the English zombie, dude. Oh, such a big fan of, of Bisping. I was live for his um, knockout of Luke Cockhold at UC 199. I was um, seated next to some um, people that had a giant, like, one of those, like, cardboard, like, cutouts of, like, Luke Rockhold's face. And I was like, ha, ah, fuck you. Uh, just an amazing time to be a fan. So I will forever be... Um, I don't know, I feel like attached to his career in some way because he helped me turn turn me into the fan that I am now. And so um, Bisping is, is my favorite besides Roxy. Great question, Smokey J. So <clears throat> I'm honestly way too annoyed to even discuss the fights tonight. So my question is going to be non-related. When you and your wife are out in the city, you guys are looking for a place to eat, What's your go-to restaurants? This is Hefley underscore Junior on Twitter. What's your go-to restaurants? I love this question for a number of reasons. First off, I love that it's not MMA related. We need more of those. Um, just just every now and then to kind of mix it up. You know, every episode needs at least one or two of the non-MMA questions. We got to mix it up. Um, so thank you for that. Love that he plugged his Twitter handle. Um, Please, uh, if you guys can remember, do that. I, I try and be good with the shout-outs, but I want you know everyone to follow each other so we kind of build a community, and that's what uh, doing this podcast is all about for me. And um, I love it because I don't know if you are from my area or whatever, but we call when we say the city, we're talking about New York City. Um, and for me, I do not like going into the city. It's fucking crowded. There's no parking. I can't drive. I have to take the fucking train. It's a huge headache. But I do love um, the Penzi Food Hall because if I'm going to MSG for something or whatever, I can just take the train and I don't have to really venture into the city and it's just right there. And the Penzi Food Hall has this amazing like little food court, um, but it's like nice restaurants. And they have uh, one restaurant called the Cinnamon Snail, which is which is vegan. But then more importantly, they have this fucking um, restaurant next to that called Taco Dumbo. And they have more throughout New York if you live in that area. There's like one in Chelsea. There's one uptown, I think. Um, there, there's a couple different ones. Just look up Taco Dumbo. And they have the most amazing tacos, dude. Oh, it's so good. And they fucking have guac that you can like customize. You can put pomegranate seeds in it, fucking pumpkin seeds or pepitas. Um, oh, it's so good. So, so that's my favorite restaurant in the city. And then um, when it comes to like if you probably just meant like our city, like just around town here, um, go to is usually, um, it's so hard for like my wife and I to agree on a restaurant cause she's never in the mood for like certain things. And I'm kind of in the mood for everything, but at the same time, 
we don't always agree. So one place we do like to go to is this restaurant called Tre Calore, which is so uh, confusing. And if you live in this area, um, it's in Middletown. And if you if you go there on the sign, it says Italian Mexican barbecue. And it's like, what? And then you go and they literally have like three different menus. They have an Italian menu. And, I, and I'd say that it's like probably like it's like 80% an Italian restaurant. Like it's mostly pizzas and pastas. But then they have a separate like dedicated menu for a Mexican. And it's not it's not bad. I, I like Mexican and, and that's pretty good Mexican for New Jersey. Let's be honest. There's a caveat there. And then they have a barbecue menu, which obviously I'm not interested in. But I really love their burritos and she loves their... Um, they're paying a la vodka and their um, big ziti plus their pizza. So sometimes if we can't agree, we'll go there so she can have her stuff and I can have my stuff. Interesting question. Moving on. Yo, Juice, with a great jab and unstoppable takedown, is Colby just as good as GSP but minus the personality? This is a historic question for this podcast. That is the first time a female listener has uh, sent in a voice question. Thank you, Lindsay. We Lins from England. Love the um, title there. And I, ever since I, she sent this in, I've been thinking about this, and I see where you're going, but I'm going to disagree a little bit. But the reason why is sort of like how they arrive there, because ultimately, so the, so the similarity is is the is the jab and the unstoppable takedowns the pressure and the wrestling and, and GSP was someone that I, I liked and respected and admired because a lot of the successful wrestlers in MMA, you know, been doing it since they were kids and they had that collegiate wrestling background, you know, particularly Americans. And, you know, here's a guy, French Canadian, let's be honest, does not have um, a huge wrestling, like this, that country's not known for its wrestling. And he just, put his nose to the grindstone and figured it out and worked that into his game to implement his um, jujitsu and became pretty much the most successful MMA wrestler of his time, if not of all time. And, uh, but they arrived in it at different ways. I mean, Colby had been wrestling since he's little. Um, and George is like a lifelong martial artist. He was doing karate um, when he was little. And I actually read something that where he said that he felt like, karate helped him with his wrestling because it was like the blitz and the explosiveness to get those double legs, which is, which is pretty cool. Um, but this, and the similarity is like with the jab and the wrestling, I think they both figured out the most successful tools needed, uh, for MMA, uh, at least in terms of like, you know, winning rounds and getting decisions and um, that's where the similarities lie. So I like that comparison a little bit, um, but I'm going to disagree in terms of how they got there. I think I think that's important because of um, George's background versus Colby's background. And 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 what I was thinking about how they differ too is like the crisp crispness of it because Colby was kind of just throwing some wild shots because he knew that you know he didn't really care about getting taken down that's where he wants to be and knew he's just trying to close the distance to get the takedown whereas George had excellent footwork and um you know even mixing some kicks I didn't really see Colby throw a lot of kicks um just in general but also in that fight and George you know he knocked Matt Hughes out with a head kick I mean he's got great kicks from his karate background so, so that's where I saw the differences but great question 
What's up, Juice? It's Punk Rock Bad. I just got home from Nork, away from the crackheads and the casuals and the annoying-ass people I had to sit next to. Genghis and, uh, not included, obviously. Uh, so I really just got to ask. I, I didn't watch any of the press, like, afterwards or anything. What do you think happened to Rowdy? Do you think it was just too much output? Or is Kobe the real deal? And how do you see them booking this now? Do they book Kobe versus Usman? And if that's the case, how does it play out? 20 fucking takedowns? Seriously. Usman did, what, similar to Woodley, so... Also, side note, Robbie Lawler seemed just like Woodley in this one. It was very, very odd. All right, everybody rock on and see if I got any more questions for you later. Interesting question. And Kamaru in the on the post-show in ESPN, I know you said you didn't watch it, but then let me just kind of fill you in a little bit. Um, he said that Robbie sometimes likes to do that where he'll – he'll give away the first couple rounds and let, let his opponent tire himself out. And then he'll come on strong in the fifth round. But that just never seemed to happen. Colby was not getting tired at all. It looked like he could probably go for another five rounds, which is just insane. I'm just give the credit where it's due. But um, Robbie, I thought, was giving it his all. To an extent, I mean, there were times where it looked like he was waiting for an opening that never came. But I kind of disagree on the tiring comparison because, to me, like watching and and, and we have different vantage points because you were watching, you know, um, live. I mean, probably on the screen partially, but um, I was watching um, this from home both times. And Tyron during the Camaro fight, he just looked lost, and that he was just like getting beaten at his own game and he didn't like that whereas like Robbie I think he knows that wrestling isn't his strong point and he just has to get back to his feet and he's very good at doing that so he was very hard to keep down in this fight but um he never looked like defeated to me I think at some points he was annoyed but um so maybe that's that's the comparison because Tyron did look annoyed from the Kamara fight a little bit but I think I think it was just more like Colby's pressure um and uh, dominance of wrestling, that was a big factor, less so than Robbie. Like, I, I think we got to give some credit to Colby as much as I hate to, but I, I think it, it wasn't that Robbie didn't show up. I think it was really that Styles make fights, and, and Colby's style is really a bad matchup for Robbie. Only way is MMA. I am not impressed by your performance. You suck. I love it. I love it. We're going to keep that in there always. Um, this is another interesting question from, well, he's, he's going to introduce himself. So let me just uh, let him take it away. It's your boy. I say do it a lot. I got a question for you. We found out today. Kobe Covington is pretty good, but can he beat the Nigerian nightmare? Kamaru Usman. When the train's coming, you get off the tracks. Oh, yeah. Love that. Love the Macho Man vibe there. Um, if you guys don't follow this guy, you have to. Uh, he's a must follow, I believe, on MMA Twitter. Um, I say dude a lot. And I wanted to talk about this because, dude, I by no means have a reverence for Matt Hughes. 
Um, I did not grow up when he was, or I did not watch the sport when he was in his heyday. And I certainly don't like hearing the things that have come out recently. I mean, certainly when the news happened of him on the train tracks, I was thinking that was devastated. And it was one of the feel-good stories of the year when he made his comeback and had the walk um, to the cage in St. Louis. Um, actually, funny, it kind of ties in because he was wearing a Robbie Lawler shirt. Um, and he's always said that uh, Robbie Lawler is one of his favorite fighters to watch. Um, but when I heard about the stuff that he did to his wife, and which he talks about openly in his book, how he basically beats the shit out of her, and um, recently there was, even after the accident, there's been um, reports, and, and not just reports, but actually, you know, he's had things filed against him where he was, like, choking her and threatening her. Uh, dude, not cool. But him, but Colby referencing that in the post-fight, I thought was just in poor taste. I mean, you can say the the Colby train, like, that's fine, but making the Matt Hughes joke, I thought was, like, like cringe in the wrong way. Like, don't, just don't do that. But uh, as far as the matchup, um, we're going to get to that as well. I think there's another question about this, but um, it's really a coin flip to me. I lean Kamaru because I think he does have more tools. I think his striking is better than Colby, and his wrestling is probably, see, I don't know. The the wrestling is probably even, in my opinion. Um, but could that lead to a striking battle? I think someone's going to get a takedown at some point. It's very clear that both of them are kind of forcing the issue. It's sort of like a more high-level championship version of what I hope we're going to get um, when we see Ben Askren versus Damian Maya. I don't think the grappling is going to cancel each other out in that one. I think it's going to be contested on the ground. Um, so that could be interesting if this one does. I mean, when it's two wrestlers, sometimes it does, because really what they're trying to do is get the takedown for some ground and pound. And so if they're both able to stop the, stop the takedowns, Maybe we do see some striking. And again, I favor Kamaru. But Colby's pressure might be better than Kamaru's. I don't know. It's hard to tell who has a better gas tank. Um, shit. I mean, this is it's such a hard matchup to pick. Um, I don't know. I guess I'm going to say tomorrow, but I don't want to sound like I'm doubting Colby again. I want you guys to fucking come after me about that. It's like, whatever. Um, He's good now. I get it. (laughs) He's always been good, but I get it. Jeez. I hate hate ending a question on on that kind of like note where I'm like, eh, but I guess that's all I got at the moment. Um, I'll get back to you, dude. Hello. It's Ashley, the MMA nerd, and I just wanted to know, who do we blame? After this Colby Covington win, and not just a win, but a great performance, let's be real, who do we blame? Do we blame Robbie Lawler for not looking like the ruthless killer that we were hoping that we know he can look like? Or do we blame Ben Askren for getting himself knocked out, for not getting the title shot, before Covington could claim it. I don't know. Maybe we just blame the MMA gods for not shining upon us. But that is my question, and I can't wait to hear your answer. Also, listen to the MMA Nerd podcast. You could find ways to listen at www.themmanerd.net. Bye. Yes, I love this question for a number of reasons. First of all, 
second um, female question on this podcast via voice. Um, so thank you for that. Um, you guys should ch- definitely check out her podcast, as she alluded to. That's the other thing I like about it is that the you know little shameless plug at the end. It's all gravy, baby. Let's keep it going. Want to um, promote um, each other? So absolutely check her out. And um, who do we blame? Now this is a tough one because. If we blame Robbie, it takes away from Colby. And as far as what you said about Ru- uh, Robbie not being the ruthless Robbie that, we, that we've that we come to, to know and love and expect, I think he was there. I think Colby just had an answer for it. I, I believe that, I mean, there were times when, when Robbie was landing shots that probably would have put anyone else out. And I think that was due to... Um, Colby wearing on him, getting that lactic acid built up in his muscles to where those those shots didn't have the pop. I mean, he was, you know, first of all, just throwing him with everything he had, so there was a lot of tell, and Colby was able to roll with it. But also, I think they just didn't have the pop because of he was a little bit gassed, and not gassed in terms of like cardio. I mean, Robbie didn't look like he he was t- too tired at the end. The more more than you should be in a five round fight because you should be tired at the end of a fucking five round fight, but um, it looked like his muscles were like drained a little bit from those grappling exchanges, and Colby was just more used to that. So um, I think I think we got to give credit to Colby on this one as much as I hate to. Um, I, oh, she, and she was alluding to if you guys didn't see this, go check it out on Ben Askren's Twitter. He said, "Sorry guys, sorry I lost, and that I had to make you watch this fight," which is just awesome. So Ben taking the blame a little bit there, too. I guess, yeah, we can blame Ben Askren. Fuck it. I like Ben, though. Oh, this is a question about Rachel Ostovich. It's funny. What's up, Juice? It's Punk Rock Dad, and I want to talk about Rachel Ostovich. Not necessarily in a positive way, either. Um, She's 4-5 and going into her fight coming up Saturday. And I just want to get your thoughts on if she loses, do you think they cut her? And if they don't cut her, why are they keeping her around? I don't think she's overly exciting. Um, I don't want to insult her and say she's not a good fighter because, you know, she's in the UFC. What is the point of keeping her? She's not a Mark Hunt where she's almost at a 50-50 record but puts on these knock-em-down, drag-out fights. So just want to get your, uh, your opinion on that. And, uh, yeah, as always, only way is MMA. You suck, bud. Uh, I don't know what else to tell you. You suck. Love the recurring theme on his questions. Dude, interesting question. And this is someone something I've gone back and forth about because um, Rachel Ostovich is not what I would call elite for that division, but... I think there is a place for her in the UFC. Um, I think she was... I mean, she had a rough go in Invicta initially, but she proved herself a commodity, I think, on the Tough House. And I think she got a nice um, armbar finish in her UFC debut. So she's got skills. But the record, as you say, is not impressive. And especially this early on in her career. I mean, normally you'd have the... I mean, that's the thing with, with... the state of women's MMA, um, there's not a lot of other organizations that they can build their skills in, um, particularly because 
the UFC is looking to pull them sooner than they would be otherwise, if that makes sense. Sooner than they will be pulled otherwise. Because um, Anthony Smith, for example, started out his career 5-5. Five and five, And look where he is now. Just fought for the title uh, and then just made an event against Gustafson. So there is space for her, I think, especially with the, the depth of that division. I don't think they'll cut her even on a loss. But um, he makes a good point that maybe anyone else would. So I think her marketability... Um, and we can disagree on that. That's fine. I mean, but her story with the with the domestic violence, and it was so sad to see her last fight where her corner was basically her family. I mean, that's cool, but the fact that she didn't have the like coaches to give her a game plan, you know, in between rounds, probably affected her performance against Paige. So, she does have some question marks um, hanging over her, as far as I'm concerned, leading into this next fight next weekend, and and that's kind of what I'm going to keep my eye on. Like you said, maybe she does get cut. Who knows? What's up, Juice? It's Punk Rock Dad again. Uh, real quick, just want to give a shout-out to G from State Farm. It was a pleasure meeting you. Genghis, it was great hanging out with you, man. Uh, looking forward to doing that shit again at some point. Um, all of MMA Twitter was on fire yesterday with the comments and whatnot, roasting that dude who was sleeping. Um, I encourage everybody to get out, go to an event, if you can, if you can link up with some of the people from Twitter, I look forward to meeting more of you guys. Um, real quick, Juice, what the fuck was up with John Jones talking about Robbie Lawler letting people down? He is the fucking king of letdowns in his personal life. Like, seriously, dude needs to get a fucking grip. As always, rock on. Only way is MMA. Alright, you're not that bad right now. A little bit of light at the, the end of the tunnel there. I like it. We'll see if that continues, but let's see. First of all, love the shout-out of, of, of Genghis and G, both awesome people. Definitely follow them if you're not already. And um, we've talked about this already, G. Next time they go to Brooklyn, I got you, uh, the Barclays Center. And and what he said, yeah, go out, go out and see a, um, a UFC event live uh, next time they come to your part of the world because it is, um, it's a bucket list thing for sure. And the, the more that I've gone to, I kind of enjoy watching them from the comfort of my own home most of the time. But it's, it's definitely, if you can make it a treat, you know, do it because it's fucking awesome. And yeah, if you haven't seen his, uh, his Twitter when he was posting updates from the fights, this dude behind him was sleeping. Are you fucking kidding me? He was probably on drugs. I mean... How could you, I mean, I, I could not imagine being able to sleep during that amount of noise. I mean, there's just so much noise. He's probably drunk off his ass or uh, strung out on drugs. Maybe both. But uh, fuck that guy because he's not a part of this podcast. Um, dude, John Jones. Let's talk about that. He is probably the least self-aware person uh, in mixed martial arts. So it didn't surprise me at all when he said that um, Robbie was a letdown. And yeah, he is the king of letdowns in terms of, uh, you know, his potential, letting the out-of-the-cage stuff affect him. But man, don't call Robbie a letdown. That's also not, I mean, I know John Jones hates Colby Covington, so I'm not saying it's taking away, you know, credit from Colby because that's obviously what he's trying to do, but... um, 
don't do that, I guess, is what I'm trying to say. I don't know. I, I don't have a lot of like coherent, intelligent thoughts about that. But yeah, I was I was annoyed by that as well. I was like, the fuck is this guy? I'm like so close to muting John Jones on Twitter, by the way, but then I would miss little nuggets like this. Uh, we only got two more voice questions. So let's um, let's um, hit those real quick. Juice, it's your boy, buddy, at MMA Marks. Um, I got a question for you. It's kind of been eating me away. I need to know, who do you think will win in a fight? Roxanne Mataferi or Brock Lesnar? Might might go uh, one way, might go the other. <laughs> but uh, I was also wanted to know if uh, you got any fights that you want to bet on again, man. I'm looking at your picture, and I'm like, I don't like the way it looks. I think I need to change it. Um, we need to make another bet sometime soon, bro. All right, man. Good talking. Shit. Oh, that's Buddy from the MMA Marks. Um, if you didn't know, that's his name. Um, it's not just saying, like, this is your buddy. Like, his name is Buddy. Uh, he's a fucking awesome dude. You guys should check out his podcast as well with Ricky. It's called the MMA Marks. And... Um, Okay, I see you. I see you trying to uh, trying to get me to say something negative about Roxy. Well, guess what? I ain't doing it because Roxanne is never going to be uh, to face uh, Brock Lesnar in a fight. However, let's put it in a realistic contest context. Well, both. Let's put it in Submission Underground from Chael Sonnen, his grappling promotion, which they do in a cage. Now, here's what's going to happen. Brock Lesnar is going to shoot across the cage for a fucking bullshit college double. And Roxy is going to jump off the fence, Showtime style, and get the rear naked choke. Tell me that doesn't happen. So fuck you, buddy. Just kidding. Uh, and no, I will not make another bet with you. I had to have Luke Rockhold as my profile picture for two fucking days, dude. However... And, and I won't and I won't bet on fights as well because the whole fucking Cejudo thing. I'm not I'm just like I've learned my lesson. You know, fool me once, shame on me. Fool me twice, shame on you. I'm not doing that. But Buddy's gonna be uh, Buddy. Buddy and Ricky are gonna come on my other podcast, Mixed Martial Opinions, and we're gonna have a little challenge on that. This is a little shameless preview for that, and um, we might do a bet then. So stay tuned for that, everybody and Buddy. Everybody, Buddy. It's so weird. Um, and we do have one more voice question that I want to actually save for um the end of this segment so let's get to the, actually the questions in the forum uh for uh, as far as twitter questions and then we will um we'll play this last voice question all right right off the bat we got a couple of amazing questions from a man raging sweet potato on twitter that's at jb underscore d-i-x-x underscore nine zero two uh, amazing follow um and if you don't know that, it'll be proved by uh, these questions. He says, what is it going to take to change the state of judging in MMA? Scandal? Lawsuit by a fighter? Government oversight? Hashtag AskFWM. That's how you know he's awesome, because he fucking created the hashtag when I don't even have one. Amazing. Um, and this is something we've kind of talked about on this podcast before, but I want to keep it going. And it comes at it from a little bit of a different angle. I've talked about the state of judging. I've talked that it needs tweaks. We need to be experimenting with it more. Um, 
but he's asked specifically what is it going to take. And I don't necessarily know that it's any of those things that you um, proposed because it's pretty much regulated by the commissions, which is the government, and the last thing they want to do is admit they're wrong. And in, in my opinion, the UFC needs to be experimenting with this kind of stuff when they go overseas because then they're in the commission. Now, I know why they don't, and that's because they want uniformity, and they want it to kind of be the same across all jurisdictions. It's already confusing as hell when um, when we're in different states within the U.S., and some of them have adopted the new rules, some of them haven't. You know, the definition of a ground fighter is different. There's so many different things that change, and the judging is like just be piling on in a sense, but... Um, it's definitely terrible and definitely needs some, some assessment. As far as a lawsuit by a fighter, this is the, the troubling part, and this is why I don't think um, it's going to happen. I don't know if a, a fighter has actually tried to sue the commission. Um, I believe Yo Romero and Malki Kawa were looking to file some sort of an injunction against the Illinois commission when um, they stopped him from being able to make championship weight in the second... Um, uh, Whitaker fight, but it didn't really matter. He didn't win, so I don't, I don't know if that ever went anywhere. But several fighters have tried to overturn decisions, and commissions are just not interested in admitting they're wrong. I think I've highlighted this before. The Missouri Commission um, from the uh, Avenger Kunitskaya fight, um, they're kind of one of the only ones that I know of that was willing to do that. Um, although there was some sort of sanctioning against Courtney Casey. Um, when she fought in Texas and, you know, she cleared USADA, but the commission didn't like something that came up in her test. And so they sort of issued her a suspension and Jeff Davisky and the UFC like fought that and, and was like, no, this is, you know, she's fine as far as, you know, our standards and ours should be higher than yours anyway. So fuck you basically. And I think they kind of won out on that. Um, but uh, there have been several fighters that have appealed, like especially decision losses or certain things. I know Holly Holm appealed the uh, Jermaine Duranemi um, loss. That didn't um, come to fruition. Josh Thompson um, appealed his, his loss against, I want to say it was one of the Pitbull brothers. And, and, and these things just don't ever see the light of day. You don't hear about them too often because um, these fighters don't have enough money to afford all the lawyers. Um, needed to to make um, to make really make waves. I mean, Mark Hunt is suing the UFC and Brock Lesnar. I don't even know if that's been resolved, but I hope it does. It's such a good question that I don't have an answer for it. So I'm just kind of like I don't want to say I'm rambling. I'm definitely not. I'm trying to provide my my take on it because it's so it needs more discussion and. Um, we got to see more on this. So let's table it for now, and we'll, we'll bring it up again later. And it's something that, obviously, I, mean, I know there's going to be a, a bad decision in the rest between now and the rest of the year, because let's face it, it's MMA. It's going to happen, and we'll probably bring it up again then. So so let's do that. And the second question from, from JB says, Fight shorts for current champs are all done with gold lettering. Should former champs, 
like Robbie and Colby to a much lesser degree, have some sort of acknowledgement of that accomplishment on their fight shorts. If you tune into ESPN to watch the fight 10 seconds into the first round, as a casual, there's no way you would know the two fighters were former champs. Thoughts? And this is very interesting to me because I don't like the Reebok uniforms. And uh, we're actually going to get to that in in another question after this. But I don't hate that idea of the designation. I like that the champs have the the gold lettering. And he brings up an interesting point that maybe the the, former champs should carry that. Because it is weird to see a former champ... You know, in who you normally see in the the champ sort of gear and the uniform, as when they lose the lose the belt, come back as a contender, as a challenger, um, it doesn't have that same shine. It's like, yeah, they climbed that mountain. They should they should get to to carry that. I mean, I, I sort of agree with you when you're saying Colby to a lesser degree. And again, not trying to take away from his accomplishments. It's just the fact that I have a weird feeling about interim belts when they're not unified. So even if so, he he won the interim title against RDA, can't take that away from him. And RDA is a former champion, so that holds a little more weight than usual probably. But they never should have made that title fight in the first place. And it was weird that he never unified it against Woodley. If he had, even if he had come up short, I think he still deserves that. But the fact that it was like won and then stripped within months, so weird. I mean, that's, that's where I don't know if he necessarily deserves that designation on the shorts if we're going to do that. But... I guess you kind of got to make it across the board if you're going to. But I like that idea. I like something like that. I don't know what it is. Um, maybe it's silver lettering or something. I don't know. That would be kind of lame, but I like that. Um, the cattle aren't necessarily going to know either way, but um, but that that's a good point. Um, this next question comes from the MMA Dude. Shout out Phil, the MMA Dude, and his podcast he does with the Fight Geek. Um, split split decision podcast. Phil Phil has been a very um, a very good, a loyal supporter of the show. Very thankful for his um, his um, support. And um, I'm not sure if Fight Geek listens or not. That's a bit of a I'm throwing some shade because I don't know. But uh, um, anyway, I love those guys and I will always support them. He says thoughts on Colby's performance and what's your prediction for him versus Kamaru? Now. We kind of already went over this a little bit, but I wanted to highlight it. Obviously, I wanted to give him a shout-out. Great guy. But also, it's one of those things that I'm going to have to keep giving different takes on because it's so close. And again, I I kind of already alluded to I'm eating crow here. Um, Colby, um, I get the gimmick. Pick a different one. I mean... I don't want to have to be having this conversation of separating the fighter from from the gimmick. It's a terrible gimmick, and and even if you're on that side of the political spectrum, it's it's still lazy. I mean, even Ben Askren is a fucking Trump supporter, and he's like, "Colby, you're lazy. That's dumb." So, my prediction for him versus Kamaru, I think I said I was slightly leaning towards Kamaru before. Now, in saying that, I think I'm maybe slightly leaning towards um, Colby. I don't know. They both. It's it's weird. They both have this thing in them where I see like they just have no quit in them and they're just going to go just bell to bell, bring that ferocity, bring that, you know, relentlessness to get the takedown. So I honestly, it could, it could end up going to draw. I mean, the way scoring is, you kind of have to have at least a 10-8 in there 
to to get a draw, and I don't know if that would happen, but I could see there being at least a one ten ten round in there. That that's a tough fight to score if it doesn't go to a finish. If you're in the judges for that um, fight when it happens, because holy shit, that's going to be a close fight. And now I wasn't intrigued for it, and that's kind of why I was pushing for a Jorge a little bit. But now I kind of am after this um, performance from Colby. So I'll kind of reserve most of my thoughts for for that uh, when it actually happens. Because actually, even though it should, let's be honest, it's the UFC that we we still may never get that fight. So let's not count our chickens before they hatch, huh? Fucking A. This next question is from Wheelkick MMA. Shout out, I think I think it's Justin Swinghole, but he changed his name. It's you know Wheelkick MMA. We're gonna go with that. He says Fighter salary based on win or loss is one of the things I would look to change if I were UFC president. Juice, if you were handed the keys to the UFC, what is one of the first things that you would change? And I like your answer. I like the getting rid of the show win, but that's not my first thing. The show win, if you if you don't know, the um, the majority of the fighters in the roster are paid basically half their pay if they don't win. I mean, some people look at it as a win bonus. They look at it as like, oh, I'm I'm, I'm 25 and 25, so really my salary is 25, and then I get an extra 25 if I win. No, your salary is 50k. That's what you should be making, and, and they're just only giving you half of it if you if you win or if, or if you don't win. Um, so that, that is a terrible, um, structure that needs to go away. But what I would do first, which I think would help with that, um, is to get rid of the Reebok deal. I think it's terrible for the sport. Um, it, it killed their personality and it, and it sort of forced these weird gimmicks for people to stand out because, you know, people used to be able to walk to the cage with all these different things. Like, uh, Ben Rothwell used to have a fucking cloak. Um, you know, in the pride days, Alistair Overeem had a fucking hammer. He was like the demolition man. Dude, I love that shit. That old kind of pro wrestling feel. We need more of that. We need to be able to connect with these fighters on a different level. We need someone like Arjun Bola to wear his turban. We need someone, um, like, uh, Enrique Barzola. I think he already does it, but he has that, that Peruvian hat with the flaps. Dude, we need that. We need it. So, um, I, I want to get rid of that because also what it does is, is kills the sponsorship market. And this is just so fucking baffling to me that the UFC and all their, um, you know, political views and Dana White being, um, a Republican and all that stuff that they wouldn't be about the free market, letting these fucking fighters get their own sponsors. It's, it's, it's dumb. They need to be able to do that. They need to be able to see what they're worth and, and build their brand and attach themselves to different brands that those brands want to be represented in the cage. Um, I don't care if it looks like, you know, little NASCAR shorts. Um, that, that was fine. It's kind of interesting. It, it tells you a little bit about the fighter and, and, and lets you see different, um, personalities. I want to see more of that. And, um, that's one of the reasons I like watching Bellator is because you get to see their performances. You get to see the fucking amazing walkouts that they do. Ryzen has amazing walkouts. Even even some people don't want have good walkouts. And it's all because they get to show their personality and they don't have fucking... Dude, Angela Hill used to have amazing cosplay at the Invicta weigh-ins. Um, Dasim and all that. Now, she's fucking limited. And she's going to do face paint. That's so dumb. And that's one of the things I would, I would get rid of because that just pisses me off to no end and it kind of kills two birds with one stone. You get the individuality back and you and you get their sponsors back so, so the, the pay raises. Because maybe the show win isn't so bad if you have the sponsor money as guaranteed money as well. And then it really does become like a win bonus. 
All right, let's get into these uh, Twitter questions. At Mixed a Man says, what do you think are the top three gyms slash head coaches right now? ATT seems to be the king shit of fuck mountain again after years of Jackson Wink dominance. What gyms slash HCs do you think produce the best fighters right now? And I'm going to second what you said. I think ATT probably is, is up there. I'm going to throw another one. Uh, I'm going to say AKA. I mean, you got DC and Habib right there. I mean, even though I never want to give this guy props, Luke Rockhold is a former champion, although he's now really training with um, Henry Hoof. So does he even count in that? But um, they're also producing the likes of um, uh, Violent Bob Ross, Luis Pena, and Deron Wynn, two very exciting prospects in their respective divisions. So I think AKA is um, is proving to be one of the top gyms now. And as far as like you threw out, you said gym slash head coaches. So I wanted to kind of highlight someone I don't think gets the credit they deserve because it's not like a super camp. But Matt Hume, dude, um, Mighty Mouse's coach, and he can't really be his coach anymore because there's a conflict of interest. He's I think the matchmaker at One FC, uh, where um, or one championship now where um, where Mighty Mouse now fights. But he is like a mastermind as far as I'm concerned, and and Mark Henry as well. Let's give him a shout. Um, you know, with working with Frankie, even though it's like. It, you know the Nicotone fight team. It's like Ricardo Almeida is part of there. If you if you train with them, so they're kind of separate and they kind of have their own thing. It's like separate but equal, I guess. But um, I want to shout those out because th- those are like I think the top ones as far as my um, belief or whatever. What I what I feel is like producing like top talent and 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 just top coaching, being able to like adapt. <laughs> Chris King is black says. Who you want to see Jim motherfucking Miller expose next? I like the idea of Scott Scott Holtzman. I like the Scott Holtzman kind of called him out. Um, Jim Miller kind of didn't acknowledge it in the post show. He was there. He said, uh, you know, I don't like to call people out. I like to be respectful, but I want to I want to fight some some top echelon guys. And I think he kind of was like saying he didn't want that fight. Um, not in a way that he was like ducking him. I, I hate that word, but um, it seemed like he wasn't necessarily favoring that matchup. So if it doesn't happen, I'd like to see him. Uh, I'd like to see him get, like, uh, another, like, I don't know, maybe OAM would be a good fight for him. Let's get him back in the rankings, huh? And then, did someone in the comments, like, the forum is, has been great lately. Everyone's, like, engaging, but I never know who if you're replying, if you're actually going to listen, so I don't know which to highlight. Um, and by the way, there's so many questions, so if I missed yours, I apologize. There's just so goddamn many of them. I had to kind of break this up into two segments. But uh, he, this, someone said that the new gym versus the old gym, like they weren't sure what that meant. Dude, Jim Miller was battling Lyme disease for like, I don't know, two years. So even though he's been the old gym for a while, just given the fact that he debuted in the UFC in 2008, but come on, the new gym, as far as I'm concerned, is, is the one that's healthy from dealing with Lyme disease. And so I think there is a difference. I think what you've perceived as like Jim falling off or whatever has been because of Lyme disease. So if you don't know that, look it up. Jim Miller's battle with Lyme disease. It's very uh, prevalent and relevant to his, um, I don't know, success in his career uh, you know, or lack thereof at the time. So um, I think Jim Miller has a more fights in him left than I thought. And I don't have a name, Genghis, but um, you know, other than maybe Scott Holtzman, but but he he's he's still he's still doing the damn thing, and I and I think he should get a fun fight next. Next up, 
my man Shane Terra coming with all the questions in the sun. Uh, he says, um, who is your favorite metal band? I'm going to keep this quick. I don't listen to metal, so I'm sorry. Um, I, I enjoy it, but I don't have enough to like uh, give you a favorite band. Um, however, um, shout out um, uh, my friend Laura, who's um, my one of my wife's best friends. Her brother uh, is in a metal band, and I saw them play at the Whiskey A Go-Go once on Sunset in, in L.A., and they fucking killed it. Um, and they did like a couple covers that I thought was really interesting. They did a cover of uh, this country song, Simple Man. I don't know who originally does it, but he's like, it was like, baby, I'm a simple kind of man. With like the metal voice, it was it was killer. And then I think they did a Snoop Dogg song as well, but I can't remember which one. Um, so I, I like I like the kind of crossover stuff, I guess, um, because I think um, all music is good and it, it can all blend. So that's my take on it. He says, um, who has the best tattoos on MMA Twitter? And if it's not me, please goddamn explain yourself. Well, I mean, coming with that energy, I better say you, but um, I'm already kind of leaning that anyway. I don't know um, you know, if anyone has um, – if if you think – if you're not following this guy, by the way, follow him. Shane Terra, he's awesome, um, S-H-A-N-E-T-E-R-A. And if you're listening to this and you think you have better tattoos than him, I want to see a fucking war um online with that you better fucking bring the pictures and you better tell me why those tattoos and i'll be the judge jury and executioner with that so how about that um i said are you also sad robbie will probably fade slowly down the rankings with a few big wins here and there until he runs out of uh runs out his contract and retires man this is a tough question to answer because it's coming with the hard truth and yeah i guess i am i mean by no means is robbie done but he brings up a very good point like once you've reached that elite level, they're not really going to give you like anything other than like people on their way to a title shot. They're going to use your name as a stepping stone and, you know, to build, build up young talent. And it's not like he's going to be, you know, if Robbie Lawler hangs on to the point where he's fighting unranked fighters, I'm done, dude. I'm done. If he becomes like a BJ Penn, like I'm, I'm out. Like, let's not do that. He's kind of right. You know what? Fuck it. I would like to see Robbie move up to middleweight because he was actually the middleweight um, strike force champion. I would like to see him maybe fight Darren Till uh, now that Darren Till's you know set on moving back to uh, up to middleweight. That would be a fun fight. Uh, this is a great question from Jimmy the Drunk. His handle is at Paroli Proud. He says, can you explain what made you decide to start a podcast? When was it? Was there a specific occurrence? Did you think about it for a while before pulling the trigger? What is your favorite MMA pod to listen to? A uh, lot to unpack there, and I'm so glad you asked this, and it's something that I wouldn't just kind of share, but I'm happy to since you asked. Um, basically, it um, I've been wanting to do it for a while, and it really stems from the first podcast I did. Um, uh, my friend Andrew is not an MMA fan and he knows that I am. And he was inspired by this other podcast called analyze fish where they would break down. Um, you know, one, one of the hosts was a fish fan and one was not. And so the, um, the one guy would kind of, they would break down the discography and he would kind of tell him why you should be a fish fan. And he was like, eh, not really. And so for me, that was the, that was the basis of our podcast. Each week I, I would show uh, Andrew uh, old fights or I would make him watch a season of The Ultimate Fighter or different things to, um, 
to kind of educate him on MMA. And we're getting there slowly but surely. He's he's sort of watching a little bit more MMA, but for the most part, he's like, eh, it's not for me. He's definitely a fucking. I don't even know if he's could be considered a casual because he doesn't really watch. But uh, um, that sort of like doing that, you know, I kind of realized that it was just going to be more of a podcast about our friendship and more of like comedy based with like sort of an MMA underscore. And I wanted to have a quote unquote serious MMA podcast that I could talk about, you know, fights and current events and, and, and kind of build a community as we have with this. So it really stemmed from that. It, it, it stemmed from a need. I, and I wanted to create the content that I wanted to hear. Uh, I, I wasn't hearing what I wanted to hear out of, of some other MMA podcasts and not to say that, that um, I wasn't hearing anything that I wanted to hear. Just like, you know, a lot of the mainstream MMA podcasts, like, you know, Eric Hawani show, it was just fighter interviews. And um, that's great. And there's a space for that. And we need that. I'm very thankful for it. But um, I want to be able to have my finger on the pulse of, of, of MMA Twitter with, with what the hardcore fans are thinking. And, I, and that's what I wanted to create is like a vibe where we can all kind of, share each other's opinions and have a little bit of debate about it. So that was sort of the um, impetus of this podcast. Um, not, not really any specific moment, but it, it was just all kind of created. I was just sort of like getting geared up to watch um, UFC Philadelphia. You know, I believe it was a card, you know, headlined by Gaethje and Barboza. And I was like, fuck it. I'm going to do this. I'm going to create a, a new Twitter account for the podcast. We're going to hop on the no turns on follow train and we're going to fucking ride this thing. And I just did. It. I just kind of like forced myself to do it. And the overwhelmingly positive response. Um, I mean, this podcast is kicking my other podcast ass in terms of numbers. So um, I'm very thankful for you guys for that. So that's kind of where it started, I guess. And he said, what is your favorite MMA pod to listen to? Um, I got a couple I want to shout out. And, and I, I'm sorry if I forget you, but um, there's a lot of um, podcasts um, in this space that I listen to because I want us to all support each other. And I also, you know, help learn listening to these other podcasts has helped me develop my own because I want to make sure I have my own voice. And, um, so I'm always wanting to make sure that we're not, you know, belaboring the same opinions or, you know, if, if someone does something that I'm not so sure I, I'm a fan of, I want to make sure I don't do that. And if someone does something good, I want to, you know, learn from that. So, um, shout out, uh, obviously earlier I said the split decision podcast, Phil and the fight geek, uh, the MMA dude and the fight geek, they do a great job with that. And, um, uh, the MMA nerd, who you heard, um, she's she's got great stuff. MMA Marks, who you also heard. Um, the MMA Scope, you got you got to hear a little little preview of it with PTD uh, with Patrick Shaheen. He's a great guy, and, and they have an am- amazing podcast. Um, Cole's actually the more serious one. That's why I haven't heard him on this show, but um, they do a, they do a great job of of breaking down fights on that um, podcast. And um, also one that I'm um, been liking to listen to recently which doesn't put any goddamn new episodes at is uh blood on the canvas uh this gentleman reached out to me said i would love you know for you to give me some feedback and um i did and what i heard was passion and i love dude when if you're doing this you gotta have passion and you can't just go on there and say your opinion you gotta be like you know what fuck this guy or you know what i love this guy that's what you gotta do and that's that's what he was bringing was the passion and that fucking thick southern dialect he was bringing that as well so put out a goddamn new episode huh and then another podcast i'm I'm looking to check out but have not already so um uh, maybe i should 
reserve my judgment on, but I, I want to give this person a shout out because they're an awesome follow on Twitter anyways, Deadbeat MMA Podcast. Um, I'm not um, on any of the platforms that they're on currently, so I haven't listened yet. But once they are, man, I will check you out and we'll get this thing rolling. So there's that. Uh, LFC Trance on Twitter says, who holds the record for most dick kicks in a single fight? To be honest with you, I didn't even look this up because I, I don't I don't know if that's been recorded. And if it is, uh, what a weird statistic to have. But also, mainly just referencing Darko Stasic. Dude, how many times are you going to fucking do that? You know who um, had a lot also, now that I'm thinking about it, um, Alex Nicholson versus Sam Alvey. That's a guy that's like the Spartan or whatever. And he's now fighting in PFL, I believe, at light heavyweight. He's also had some fights at heavyweight, so not sure if he's gone back and forth, but he was in the UFC for a time and he was trying to make middleweight. He kind of depleted himself to do that. And he had a fight with Sam Alvey where he kicked him in the dick a bunch of times. And Herb Dean had to like pull him aside because um, originally Alex was like rolling his eyes like, come on, man, he's faking it or whatever. And then he showed him up on the big screen and he was like, yeah, it carries the side of the cup, which drags it across. That hurts. And the guy was like, okay, yeah, okay, yeah. So yeah, um, <laughs> that fight probably tied in terms of dick kicks. So Darko Stasic or Alex Nicholson, I'll say. A lot of uh, replies back and forth. Oh, uh, return of Shane Terra. He says Gatorade or Powerade. I'm going to go Gatorade, although Blue Powerade, very underrated. Uh, blue, blue Powerade, better than Blue Gatorade, but overall I think I enjoy Gatorade more. And then he says, why are Blast Beats the best beats? This kind of ties back to the fact that I don't want, uh, listen to metal too much, but if it's going to be uh, that, it's got to be a Blast Beat. So I guess that's why. It's because it um, draws people like me who don't normally listen. And he says, what has nine arms and sucks? And I know there's a right answer here. I feel like I'm being tested. Like, I want to say, are you, are you talking about the first family? Like, is that a dig? I want to know. Let me know. Uh, because, God damn it, that's probably a good question. What has nine arms and sucks? Fuck. Is it Colby's corner? <laughs> no, that would be terrible. Man, I wish I knew the answer to this question. Let me know. And he says, how do you feel about a Legends League? I'm mixed about it. I mean, I am more a fan of of, of safe matchmaking where they're not matching these like um, old lions against the like young up-and-comers, the young bucks. I think, you know, at a certain point in his career, you know, career, if, if a guy's like can't hang with the younger people, but they can hang with people their own, you know, skill set and their own level, like I am a fan of that. So I'm not necessarily a fan of the league itself, but I am a fan of those matchups. Like there is a place for that, you know, you can have those fights. And I, and I think if a guy, you know, wants to, to earn some money for his family, but can't, you know, make it against these killers, you know, maybe he shouldn't necessarily hang it up. Maybe you book those, those fun fights. And he said, how do you usually intake your cannabis? What is your preferred method? This is going to probably make you guys judge me. Um, we heard a couple bong rips um, from uh, from Smokey J, as always. I know the Bearded Stoner listens to this podcast. He's all about bongs. Um, shout out my man Andre Easy, all about joints, all about that um, stoner follow train. I love that. 
Um, but for me, and this is just preference because of convenience and I can do it inside and, and not piss anyone off. I like to vape. I like to get the little vape pen. I like the THC oil that you can get from the medical dispensaries. Um, that's, that's my preferred method, um, mostly because of the convenience and it's fucking potent as shit. But that's me. I also, um, moved away from California um, when they when they legalize it recreationally, so I have not had the pleasure of like just walking in there and getting whatever the fuck I want. I kind of have to be um, picky and choosy, and so that's what's available to me in my current climate. So there's that. Feel free to judge me. <laughs> Pete Bagels says, "Why do all the tweeters love Pete Bagels?" By the way, you should follow him at Bagels Pete. He says, "Why do all the tweeters care about what?" Covington said, when Hughes doesn't give two shits himself, they're both idiots anyway. Colby needs to rehearse his lines better before next fight to not stumble on his words so damn much anyways. And um, I already said this, but I kind of disagree. I, I'm one of those people. And I wasn't like tweeting about it. I wasn't making a big stink, but it rubbed me the wrong way. I didn't like that. And I, and I don't care if Hughes is okay with it. I'm not okay with it. But like I said, not in a big way because, um, you know, fuck Matt Hughes with all that domestic violence shit. And also, uh, fucking, if if you read the highlights of his book, he fucking um, was with his wife when he was 21 and she was 13. That's weird as shit as well. And then um, AJ the Giant's dad, uh, punk rock dad, he says, how much do you buy into GSP being, quote unquote, done fighting? And I don't know, man. I th- I think I buy it. Uh, some people were saying that you know he was obviously in the corner of Nasrat Hakparast. If you missed that, but um, he is done, in my opinion. People were saying that he looked lean, like he was maybe trying to make a cut to one fifty five. I don't think that's going to happen. Even though uh, Ali Abdelaziz is a fucking secret matchmaker of the UFC, and him and Khabib have been really pushing for that fight, I have almost no interest in that. I would love to see it, but in terms of like what's next for Khabib, if Tony Ferguson does not get the next title shot, we riot. Do you hear me? I'm going to say it again. If Tony Ferguson does not fight the winner of Dustin Poirier and Khabib Nurmagomedov, we fucking riot. I'm taking to the streets. I'm buying a ticket to Las Vegas, and I'm shitting on Dana White's desk. That's it, dude. That's it. Don't give me Khabib versus GSP. Unless you're going to do it at 165 for a catch weight and, and, and make that the inaugural belt for that weight class and then do a fucking interim fight uh, so that Tony can fight for a belt again. Fuck that, dude. No. Tony versus Khabib or that's it. Tony versus Khabib or fuck your mother. That's what I say. Um, other questions? Oh, uh, the return of Shane Terra. He's got so many questions, but I like to um, get in as many questions as I can because these are great. He says, do you think Usman versus racist McFuckstick will be an exciting fight? Or is it going to be a serious grind fest again uh, or against the cage with some potential top tier wrestling and grappling exchanges? I think it's going to be exciting. I I really do. I think it's going to be one of those like, even though it probably will be grapple heavy, I don't think it's going to be just like a grinding fest. I hope I'm 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 not wrong on this, but it, I hope it, it's going to remind me of um, there was a flyweight fight between um, Tim Elliott and Lewis Smoka, which was like 
just scrambles all over the place or fucking DJ versus Ray Borg. I hope it's something like that where we get this like action packed, you know, high paced cardio display and, um, and wrestling. Cause he, you know, obviously the style allowed this. So, you know, Colby was like styling on, on Robbie Lawler. And I don't know if he can do that against Usman or Usman can do that against him. But the fact that both of them are going to be going for it, you know, just from bell to bell, I think it, I think it could lead to some exciting exchanges. At least I hope. And nostalgic ninjutsu or ninjutsu at Valley Tudor Bro, he says, super heavyweight division in the UFC. Really athletic big dudes are rare and typically find their way into the NBA or end up as alignment in the NFL. That being said, even if they are freak show fights, will we ever see it? Who will be the next Ronda Rousey level marketable WMA star? Oh, those are kind of two separate questions. So, the freak show fights super heavyweight. I want to see this. Now, I don't think we're going to see it in the UFC. They're very keen on, like, you know, the sport aspect of it. I mean, even though they are an entertainment company, especially now that they're owned by one, and you can make the case that they're more of a TV production company than an actual sports league. But um, as far as Dana White's views on how that product is presented, it's always from the sport aspect and, like, you know, building towards a division or whatever. Like, I don't think they're going to make a super heavyweight belt. But would I love to see it? Hell yeah. I would love to see Juan Adams not have to cut to 265. What happens if he gets to get in the cage at 300 pounds? Sign me up for that shit. Give me one ounce versus Brock Lesnar, 300 pounds. <laughs> Fuck it. I love it. And who will be the next Ronda Rousey level marketable WMMA star? I don't know. And that is a very good question. Um, Amanda Nunes is getting there. I mean, she doesn't have that sort of crossover appeal that Ronda did. You know, she's not going on fucking Ellen uh, all the time. Although, hey, Ellen... Why don't you get Amanda on? Hello? Get the support of the LGBTQ community behind her? Hello? Hello? Sound like such an idiot. But um, it could be her or... See, I think I think Rose had that potential. But uh, it sucks that she lost to, to Jessica Andrade. I hope she um, finds her way. Although Rose is, I think, maybe contemplating retirement, so we don't even know. It's it's harder. I don't think there's going to be another Ronda Rousey for a while because it was such like the perfect storm with her, um, with coming over from Strike Force and um, and uh, the the Olympic judo background, and at the time women did not find the UFC, so they really made a big splash with her and got the UFC marketing machine behind her. So it's really going to be hard, but maybe someone like Macy Barber has the potential. I don't know. We'll see. Scott Kenyon asks, what sandwich do you think Colby would make for Usman to take off him? Dude, if you didn't, if you don't know what this is alluding to in the, um, in the post on ESPN, he said, um, Colby was like, this guy steals everything I do. If I, if I, uh, make a sandwich tomorrow, he's going to make that same sandwich. And Camaro had the fucking lamest comeback of the century. He was like, yeah, I'll take that sandwich or whatever. I was like, What? I mean, just so not impressed with that with that trash talk. But um, what sandwich do I think? Probably a shit sandwich because he's so unoriginal. How about that? Do we need more sandwich questions on this podcast? 
<laughs> I want to talk about probably going to annoy all you carnivores talking about vegetarian sandwiches, but that's all I can talk about. And then um, Tristan Jones with the longest Twitter hand of all times at Tristan five eight two zero zero nine eight seven says, "Will Colby get the next shot at Usman? When will that fight take place? Who wins?" Um, this is a good question because until I was reading Phil's question, I didn't even think about the possibility that they can fucking pull a swerve on him and maybe we don't get to see that fight. Um, after this, there's no doubt in my mind he's he's next in line, but they could do what, what I said earlier, which is maybe play the two fighters against each other and see who gives them the better deal, who's willing to take a lower pay cut. And um, I don't know. I don't know. It's interesting to see how it's going to play out. If if they don't give it to Colby, I think it's a big miss in my opinion. Um, that fight is already like, they already had beef before. You know, I wanted to see Kamaru versus Colby even before um, Kamaru beat um, Woodley. Um, I thought that would be an interesting fight and they, and they were kind of, you know, had some trash talk online. And according to Kamaru, it goes back to high school. I guess they met each other on the wrestling circuit or whatever because um, he knew John Jones. So... That's kind of a weird uh, backstory for it, but I wanted to see it. And if they don't make that, it's a big miss. And I don't know when that fight will take place because Usman is not being fucking honest about his timeline for for return. Jesus. Before Uncle Yagi comes after me with fucking, yes, I'll keep the same energy against Robert Whitaker. Yeah, he's coming back in October against uh, Israel Adesanya. Yeah. All right, another another question from Pete Bagels. He says, what are the odds that Colby Covington cups his farts? 10 out of 10 are the odds, Pete Bagels. 10 out of 10. Um, that reminds me, the fucking comments on YouTube are always like the worst. But there was this one comment I read once on, um, I think it was the countdown show for uh, UFC 218 when... Um, uh, Max Holloway fought Jose Aldo the second time, and the the, the co-headliner was I think um, Eddie versus Gaethje, and um, <laughs> this one comment on there, this guy said, Max Holloway looked like the kind of guy that would um, that would cup his farts and smell it or eat it or something. I was like, oh, this fucking like why do you why would you say that? So dumb. And then um, Giggsy G18 says, what are your thoughts on Usman versus Colby and Edwards versus Jorge next? Two, the two winners fight as the plan of action. Who comes out on top of the four? Um, I like that question. I've, I've obviously given my thoughts on Usman versus Colby. However, um, I have been on the fence about who wins, and I think I still am. But as far as like um, Jorge Masvidal versus Leon Edwards, um, I wasn't really interested in that fight because I didn't think I wanted to see Colby fight for a title until now, and now I, I'm on board. So um, I, I would want to see Jorge versus Leon Edwards. We have the the three piece in the soda to to build that um, to build that fight as far as the, the marketing aspect of it, and we need to see it because um, I think they're both one way uh, a, one win away from a title shot, and um, they're both the right fight to make. I see Jorge coming on on top of that. I guess I see Usman maybe edging it out against Colby as well because I'd much rather see Jorge versus Kamaru Usman, especially because um, Jorge and Colby 
are like friends and former roommates, former training partners. They both said they're down to scrap if it's for a belt. And they're like, you know, we might as well get paid for it. We had a bunch of scraps back in the day in the training room. So I think that's like a good um, philosophy to have. But I never want to see guys like that train together fight unless it's like years down the line. So I'd rather see Kamaru versus Jorge. Um, but hey, I'm down to see a, that, a little kind of mini tournament like that. You know, let's have the winners um, fight each other and, and let's book those fights. I agree. MMA, Mar- I'm not sure how to pronounce it. Says MMA Marijuana. Anyways, the handle's at broadcast underscore MMA. Great account. You guys should definitely follow this guy. It says, do you think DC's upcoming rematch with Stipe will be his last fight? How does the rematch play out? Will he retire or do we get a Jones trilogy? So many thoughts on this. First off, um, there are a lot of Stipe fans that listen to this podcast, and I love Stipe almost as much as you. Uh, but I love DC a little bit more, and I do think the rematch goes his way. And I think it becomes a different fight. I, I think I've said this before, and um, we'll get to that, obviously, um, next week when we're going to preview that card. But um, I don't think Stipe can get it done, given what I saw in the first fight. I think DC has his number. And um, I think he can make that fight happen. I, I think Stipe makes the adjustments needed to maybe go the distance or at least um, get deeper into the rounds. You know, But DC can probably submit him as well, I think, as well as knock him out because obviously we know he can do that. And DC, with that power at heavyweight and his wrestling pedigree being better than Stipe's, I just kind of don't see where Stipe has the advantage in the rematch. I don't. And as far as it being his last fight, God, I hope so. Because I don't I don't want... I, I, I like that DC was wanting to retire on top. I like that he wanted to retire on his 40th birthday. I kind of think he was probably saying that just to kind of urge the Brock fight along. But I want to see him right off into the sunset. I want to see him be one of those guys like GSP that knows when to say when. Um, I don't want to see um, a trilogy with Jones unless it's at heavyweight. And I know both of them said that they would do a light heavyweight. I don't want to see DC cut again. Um, and I don't want to see him lose again. And and that's fine. I have no I have no problem saying that um, I'm ducking John Jones for for DC. I, I'll be I'll be on that camp to say that. Just because I don't, I have no interest in seeing it. We saw it twice. Um, unless it's heavyweight, you got to add something new to the mix. And so I hope he does retire. Lil Uzi two. This is I think Uzi's second account because it got suspended. People are like so quick to make a second account. I never know if you're going to keep this, the new account or if you're going to go back to the old one. So I don't know how invested we should be getting in these new accounts. So let us know. But um, it's underscore is at Lil Uzi. Two five, obviously that's L I L. Um, it says, "How many beers do you think Genghis drunk during the card? Thirty-five to fifty? There's just so many. I'm gonna have to answer one at a time. Uh, well, we I think we gotta count the pregame. Well, no, he said during the card. Eh, definitely not that many during the card. I mean, it's l- physically impossible to have that many during the during the card. Um, just because when you're live at the event, you know, service is not the best. There's a lot of lines." And they're not exactly like running in the aisles giving you fucking beer. He probably had like four beers or five max. Um, and then it says, do you think Kennedy will ever be, will be able to ever have a kid? 
Oh, that's a sensitive subject for me, man. Uh, I don't know. I don't know. I hope, I hope so. If, if that's, um, you know, something he wants, if he's not already, those dick kicks, man, were horrendous, but the cup hopefully protects them. I think, you know, when it shifts, it, it gets the, uh, it gets the Johnson and then that's where the, the pain is. I think that, I think their jewels are mostly protected if they have the right cup, but if he came up under it, Oh man, I don't even want to talk about it. It's so fucking like disgusting. Just think about like, I hope so. I hope he'll, he'll be able to have kids. He says, do you think Pudlova is UFC caliber? Yes, I do. Yes, I do. I think she would give Antonina problems early. Um, and um, obviously Antonina is UFC caliber. At least the UFC thinks so. And uh, UFC caliber doesn't mean what it used to. And especially in those, um, those female divisions are a little bit shallow. So we took this with uh, Rachel Ostevich. I think there's a place for her for sure. Um, he said, what do you think of the Colby train joke? Um, yeah. I am not I was not too pleased with it. But um who am I? Just some bloke with a podcast, right? And then number five he says, fuck. Hashtag fuck Colby. I kind of agree, but then kinda of don't, because I'm also trying like I said, trying to trying to move past that. Because he's a, he's a good fighter, and I want to see him for that. Still a cuck. Still a cuck. Um oh he said, Do you think who do you think next would be a good matchup for Robbie, like an actual winnable one? I, like I said, I like the Darren Till at middleweight. There's some entering there. Um, they both, you know, want to just slug it out on the feet. Um, but I also like maybe him versus, oh no, I'm about to say him versus Michael Chiesa just because he's a young up-and-comer. But Michael Chiesa is going to do the same fucking thing. Now, he's not probably as good as Colby in that a- a- a regard, but um, that's definitely not um, a winnable fight like for like I could say 100% sure. But um have we ever seen Robbie Lawler versus Damian Maya? Maybe that. If Maya gets past Askren of course. Interesting question. And um that wraps up the Twitter questions, but we did have um another voice question that I wanted to highlight. So let's do this cuz I think this will be a great segue into the uh, our, uh, Uruguay card. Let's go. What's up, Juice? This is the Punk Rock Dad, paying a little homage to Smokey J. Real quick question, probably my last one. Ozdemir and Latifi this weekend. They stole it from uh, the North card to put it on this other card. Who do you got? I think that's going to be pretty exciting. Also, only way is MMA. I don't like you very much. I'd call you a cunt, but you you have neither the depth nor the warmth, my friend. You suck. And he brought it back. I thought there was a light at the end of the tunnel, last question. When he said you're, you're all right, but now he basically said you're uh, not worthy of being called a cunt. That's pretty harsh. Um, I feel like... Uh, feel like punk is almost my co-host at this point with, with all these questions but uh great question actually and i wanted to kind of talk about this would be a great segue into the um um breakdown of the uh, uruguay card and uh, that is one i want to highlight so i'll kind of reserve most of my thoughts on that but it, as far as what you said about being pulled from the newer card i remember when it got announced and I was pissed because at the time I was like dead set on going to the newer card live. And I was like, I want to see that fight live. What the fuck? Uh, but now that I 
don't get to see either. It doesn't matter. And I'm just excited for that fight. Um, when it happened last, or when it was announced last, um, I picked um, Latifi. And um, I was listening to the Split Decision podcast, and um, the MMA dude said that um, Uzdemir has been training with Jack Hermanson on the wrestling. And so that would kind of be... Um, give him a little bit of edge. And I, I still don't think it's enough. I mean, he's had more time to train at this point, but I don't know if it's enough. Uh, Lear Latifi brings such a different caliber of wrestling. And he, I love his style too, because it's not like lay and pray. Like he just wants to smash guys and like suplex him and throw him around. He really uses that Greco to just like fucking impose his will. He put OSP to sleep in that fucking, um, standing guillotine choke. I mean, the guy is a animal. Um, so, uh, I really think uh, that's going to be a good fight to watch. I don't know what's going to happen, but I can't wait. And uh, I guess we should get into this breakdown now. Thank you guys for being so active in the forum. We had to do two parts this time as it was just so massive. So, rock on, motherfuckers. You know, before we get into the breakdown, we had a late submission on the voice questions, which I can't really use for uh, next week. And it's apropos of uh, what we just talked about um, in the forum. So I wanted to, to play this for you guys real quick and um, give my thoughts to kind of just wrap that up real quick. Yo, man, what's up? This is Josh at All Dumb Post. Look, man, what the fuck are we supposed to do with Colby Covington? The guy's kind of a piece of shit. He's kind of annoying. But yet I am kind of entertained a little bit. I hate to say that, but being honest. But he's very talented, man. I mean, the way he chain wrestles, his speed... The pace he puts on people is fucking ridiculous. I just wish he wasn't such a fucking douchebag. And then I just want to say about Robbie. Last week, everyone was talking about Frankie Edgar and talking about how great he is and absolutely going crazy for Frankie. And then there was no love this week for Robbie. Just everyone wanted to talk about how much they hated Colby. Then he gets dominated by Colby, so that doesn't help. But can we get Lawler, an opponent like Thompson or Masvidal, somebody who's not a wrestler? He pulled Askren and Colby back-to-back. Kind of ridiculous. Anyways, just wanted to get your thoughts. Great question. I'm, I'm so glad, mostly for the for the second half, because we already talked about you know my feelings about Colby and all that. But um, dude, you're right. He is entertaining as shit. Um, and uh, as far as his actual fighting style, um, and you're right. It's such a shame that the focus was all on whether you loved Colby or hated Colby. Um, it was focused on him and not about Robbie. I mean, here's a guy who who paved the way for um, for that division for a while. You know, even back in the day when he was fighting Nick Diaz um, before his run in Strike Force, and the guy's been around for fucking ever. Where's the love, man? Um, I agree about, and, and and here's why I wanted to um, highlight this question also is because Robbie Lawler, um, some uh, thing was Little Uzi asked like, who's next? Um, I would love to see the Wonder Boy fight, and I completely forgot about him. And but also the um, the Masvidal fight, if he loses his next fight, would be would be good because if Masvidal wins his next fight, he's fine for the title. And even the way politics work, he may be fine for the title regardless. So um, there's that. But if if he loses his next fight, um, I would love to see Masvidal versus uh, Robbie Lawler or Wonder Boy versus Robbie Lawler. So I guess I just to kind of put a button on that. And um, without further ado. Let's get into UFC Uruguay. Now, there's only a couple fights I want to talk about 
And um, I've already exhausted all my energy recapping everything. So if you listen to this podcast for a preview of what's to come, I'm sorry, I'm going to fail you because there's only um, about five fights I want to highlight between the prelims and the main card. Um, The first thing that kind of interests me, um, other than the Gilbert Burns um, versus um, Alexi fight, which um, Cerrone Nosebow highlighted, but Tisha Torres is fighting Marina Rodriguez. And I believe Marina is making her UFC debut. And Tisha Torres is ranked number eight. This is kind of surprising to me. I know she's on a bit of a skid, but um, she's also been a top player in that division for a while. And the fact that she's number eight, um, fighting a non-ranked fighter, making you know a debutante, basically, like that just kind of speaks to the shallowness of that um, division and, and really women's MMA in general. So I don't know if we're going to see a surprising upset here or if we're going to see a dominance for Tisha. I hope it's, um, I don't want to call it a tune-up fight. I don't like that because it's disrespectful to the other fighter. But um, I hope it's a little more favorable matchup for Tisha to get back into the winning ways because um, I like her. I love her relationship with Raquel. I love seeing them on social media as well. Um, I uh, was able to, to um, kind of hang out and get a picture with them at fight week for UFC 213. They both came for like the fan expo. That was pretty cool. So um, I'm always going to want to watch um, both them fight. And um, uh, Tisha's style is very impressive to me. So I hope Tisha can get the win here. That's going to be a fun fight. And um, if not, we're going to see uh, hopefully a stellar performance from a newcomer. So either way, I think it's going to be um, good things to watch there. And then um, Enrique Barzola versus Bobby Moffitt is another fight that intrigues me, and mostly because of Enrique. Um, Bobby Bobby does well um, also, but I'm I'm very uh, I'm very much a fan of Enrique. Um, the Peruano spirit he brings, like he's just always fucking bell to bell, just like getting it. And um, good ground and pound, good leg kicks and pressure. Um, he's a guy that, um, he's very technical, but it's not like point fighting. He, he kind of brings it and I, and I like that. I like, he kind of makes it, um, an exciting technical fight, which is hard to do. And I think he can get the win here. I think it's going to be a good fight for him. Now, Volkan Ozdemir versus Ilya Latifi. Um, we talked about it a little bit. I talked about how we feel about it getting moved to this card, but I'm just excited to see it. I think it's going to be intriguing. And I said earlier that um, I don't think Vulcan is going to have an answer for um, Latifi's wrestling. But I also was just thinking about Alir Latifi versus Ryan Bader. Now, obviously, Ryan Bader is a wrestler by trade, and that's how he usually wins fights. And who knows has the better wrestling because we didn't really get to see that. What we saw was Ryan Bader, who kind of threw caution to the wind and decided he wasn't going to just fight to not lose anymore. He was going to fight to win and have fun. And he hit Alir with a fucking big-ass flying knee. Uh, or or a knee, I don't know if it was necessarily like a flying knee, but I think it was a maybe some sort of jump knee. He hit him with a big knee and put him down. And remember when Vulcan had his title run before he fought DC and got him uh, exposed? He was the definition of not giving a fuck. So this, in my opinion, is a lot closer than I originally thought. And I think 
Um, it could be a good fight for Vulcan, but it also could be a good fight for Lear. I mean, you know, recently I haven't been really giving picks, so if you listen for that, I'm sorry, but um, I'm not going to give a hard and fast one on this one. I, I don't think it's it's a fight I would bet on, but I am looking forward to it a lot. Um, I think it's going to be um, exciting, and I like that it's a three-rounder. Um, Vulcan was stuck in some main events, and he had to like pace himself, and he couldn't really use his like explosiveness. Um, and Lear's kind of the same way. He he's I mean he can go for days, but he he does have sort of an explosive style. He hasn't had many five-round fights in the UFC. I think he had the one against Musasi, but um, interesting interesting fight. I'm really looking forward to it. And another one I'm looking forward to is Vicente Luque versus Mike Perry. This is another one of those we got to thank the MMA gods for because this is just pure violence written all over it. Both of these gentlemen come to bang, and I can't fucking wait. And I'm really intrigued because of what happens um, afterward, which is sort of unknown. But also, I was listening to Jeff Neal on the Ariel Hawani show, and uh, Jeff Neal obviously had that great performance against Nico Price um, two weekends ago. And he said that he wants Mike Perry if he gets past Vicente. And I thought that was interesting because a lot of guys would say, oh, I want the winner of that fight. Because he was saying he may be like a ranked opponent. And at the moment, I don't think Mike Perry is ranked, but Vicente Luque is. So what are you thinking to ha- hoping to happen? Are you hoping Mike Perry takes his rank and then you can fight him? Or just that you don't uh, want to fight Vicente? And I'm not one of those guys that calls a fighter scared, but I thought it was like a little bit strategic to where I was kind of questioning his motives there. And that intrigues me. So I favor Vicente in this fight, but anything can happen in four-ounce gloves. And Mike Perry, after his last fight against Cowboy Oliveira, dude, that was probably the best Mike Perry we've ever seen. That was a Mike Perry who stuck to a game plan. Uh, That was a Mike Perry who was patient, but also not hesitant. Um, Because I think he was sort of patient against Max Griffin, but he looked hesitant, and that that wasn't... um, the Mike Perry that we come to love. And um, Mike Perry against Vicente Luque, I think we're going to see vintage Mike Perry, but also with those improvements that he showed in the um, the uh, Alex Oliveira fight. Oh, I can't wait. It's going to be amazing. And what if Vicente wins? Does he fight Jeff Neal? Or does he move uh, further up the ranks? Very interesante, as they say. And something that's also interesting is... Valentina versus Liz. And it's easy to say this is another sacrificial lamb for Valentina. But it's also hard to disagree with. I mean, I can't really think of anything else other than the fact that she has that controversial win over her. And um, I almost think that doesn't even play into it. You look at the way their careers have gone since then, and it's almost like two, they're both two different fighters. And the Valentina of today would murk the Valentina of, of yesteryear. Now, the Liz of today would probably murk the old Liz as well, but um, Valentina's out there finishing people at 125. She even had some finishes at Bantamweight, which wasn't her natural weight class. Um, now, the Liz was on that same you know trajectory as well. So... It's very, very compelling for to me. I think Liz has some of the tools to make this go later into the fight. She's got great grappling, although Valentina is no slouch in that department either. So who knows? But I think um, she makes it longer than Jessica I. And for that reason, I'm just excited. I'm just excited to see what, what Liz is going to bring, what kind of um, 
and she's going to try and make it a gritty fight because obviously Valentina is very technical and that's where she likes to thrive in. But uh, but she doesn't shy away from certain exchanges and and Liz can bring that. Uh, she trains at um, basically 10th Planet San Diego, so brings that tricky jiu-jitsu. Very interesting fight. I'm looking forward to it a lot. Obviously, you got to get the, the edge to Valentina. She's a favorite for a reason. And I'm by no means predicting an upset, but um, I think Liz is going to probably surprise a lot of people. Who knows? Maybe my fucking foot will be in my mouth and she gets a first-round KO or something. Who knows? But I think it's one to watch. And for that, I think we're going to wrap it up here. Um, this has been uh, probably longer than any episode I've done. And so if you stuck around this long, I really appreciate you more than you know. And if you... Um, if you're just listening, again, I apologize for starting heavy with the cancer stuff right away. And that's not going to be a through line of this podcast at all. Um, it's just um, just a one-time thing for, for anyone that listens. And uh, just uh, wanted to just uh, open up about that because that's the point I am in my life. And um, it's very important to um, have positivity when you're bat- battling something like this. And I, I need you guys to be my uh, support system, even if that just means uh, listening as you continue to do that that's enough i'm not asking for more than that so with that i'll sign off here this has been juice with the fighting with myself podcast you can follow me at fwm underscore pod on twitter and instagram you can send me an email if you want at fighting with myself pod at gmail.com even though i've only got one email from a listener since the inception of this podcast uh, and so uh, you guys probably don't uh, use email anymore that's fine And that brings us to the end. Good night and good fights.